Like him, I killed in the name of good. The violence of my life pulled my soul towards the darkness. But I fought and freed my soul. Now I watch for others like me. Men are the ones who create evil on Earth. It is the choices they make that enslave their souls to hell. This is the test. We are bringing to you today's most important news from around the world. Despite all the extraordinary efforts, the government and health system workers are still struggling to bend the curve of growing cases, caused by the latest variant of the virus. Five more people died today, and 30 million tested positively. Citizens are now required to wear masks, when they step out to the balconies of their isolation facilities, and take them off only when they are back to the safety of their rooms. Stay compliant. Stay isolated. Stay safe. And now, on to other news. As the whole planet went on the righteous crusade against climate change and global warming, we are excited to spread the word about another successful project. As science tells us, during the night, plants release CO2 into the atmosphere. CO2 is a powerful greenhouse gas that dramatically contributes to global warming. But don't worry. Almost 100,000 square miles of South American rainforest has been cleared, and this area is used to construct one of the largest solar panel fields in the world that will provide us with a tremendous amount of clean energy. We will keep fighting the deadly forests and defeat climate change. That is all for today. Stay tuned for tomorrow's news. In accordance with the principles of double thing. It does not matter if the war is not real, or when it is, that victory is not possible. The war is not meant to be won, it is meant to be continuous. The essential act of modern warfare is the destruction of the produce of human labor. A hierarchical society is only possible on the basis of poverty and ignorance. In principle, the war effort is always planned to keep society on the brink of starvation. The war is waged by the ruling group against its own subjects, and its object is not victory over Eurasia or East Asia, but to keep the very structure of society intact. Are you awake?
Um, the speaking of the small farmers, one question that I think a lot of people have is: We all know that you are an uh, you're an environmentalist. You've been an environmentalist for a long time, fighting against pollution, uh, fighting against uh, you know it, many things that have to do with the environment. But there's a lot of questions about climate change and. What we've seen around the world is that many of the climate change policies that are enacted by certain countries like the Netherlands or in uh, uh, very Sri Lanka, we see that it crushes the small farmers, that they cannot keep up with the big farms. They don't have enough land um, in order to do some of the more um, you know, natural ways to fertilize the land. Um, and so it is some of these policies are really crushing the small farms. Um, where do you stand on climate policies that are being enacted right now? I, there is a difference between environmentalism and climate change. Where do you stand on all of that? And what types of policies do you support? It's, it's, or climate, climate, the climate, climate issues and pollution issues are being exploited by you know the, the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates and all of these uh, big you know mega billionaires the same way that COVID was exploited, uh, to use it as an excuse to clamp down top-down totalitarian controls on society and to um, and then to give us engineering solutions. And if you look closely, as it turns out, the guys who are promoting those engineering solutions are the people who, who own the IPs, the patents for those solutions. Oh, it's a way, you know, it's, it's being used, they've given climate uh, chaos, a bad name, you know, because people now see that it's just another crisis that's being used to strip mine the wealth of the poor and to, you know, to enrich billionaires. And, uh, you know, I, I, for 40 years, have had the same policy on climate and engineering. You can go check my speeches from the 1980s. And I've said the most important solution for environmental Environmental issues, not top-down controls. It's free market capitalism. You we, it, and by that, the re, and what we have in this country now is not free market capitalism. It's corporate crony capitalism. It's capital. It's cushy kind of socialism for the rich and a, a brutal, a barbaric, merciless capitalism for the poor. Inform uh, the free a true free market promotes efficiency. And efficiency means the elimination of waste. And pollution is waste. In a true free market, you can't, uh, a, a true free market would require us to properly value our natural resources. And it's the undervaluation of those resources that cause us to use them wastefully. In a true free market, you can't make yourself rich without making your neighbors rich and without enriching your community. But what polluters do, is they make themselves rich by making everybody else poor. They raise standards of living for themselves by lowering quality of life for the rest of us. And they do that by escaping the discipline of the free market. You show me a polluter, I'll show you a subsidy. I'll show you a fat cat using political clout to escape the discipline of the free market and force the public to pay its production costs. So, you know, in terms of carbon industry, all of the things that uh, people, are trying to do to you know promote to 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 end carbon we should be doing anyway because you know carbon means cutting down all of the mountains in West Virginia it means you know we polluted 2200 miles of rivers and streams in in uh, the eastern Kentucky and West Virginia every 
Every freshwater fish in America now has mercury in its flesh from coal burning power plants. That is a theft from the public. The, uh, the, the waterways and lakes on the Appalachian, on the high Appalachian, every one of them is now sterilized from acid rain. We need to be reducing, if, if you, whether you believe in climate change or not, carbon-based climate change, we need to be reducing our dependence on carbon. Carbon receives globally about $5.2 trillion in subsidies a year. If you end those subsidies, carbon cannot compete against more efficient and cleaner energy sources. And that's what we should be doing. We should be ending subsidies for, for, all, for the carbon industry. And we should be using true free market capitalism and finding the most efficient sources of energy. Welcome to the TylerBloyer.com live stream today. It is May the 6th, 2023, and you are in the climate of control. And we'll get into that a little bit more today with a subtitle of Engineering Consciousness. You hear uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. there talk about the engineering solutions and we're going to be talking about a different sort of engineering solutions today on the broadcasts that I typically will plan to do on Saturdays. Uh, everyone knows that I'm sometimes doing them on Sundays or sometimes I'll lapse for a while, but we've been getting back in the groove here at the new studio setup that uh, me and my family recently relocated. And currently we're looking for somewhere to settle down in the area on a more uh, permanent homestead type property. So in the meantime, we've got things set up here. We're ready to go. And today we'll be getting into it. Uh, just uh, a reminder that you can find these streams on Odyssey and I do it live so that I can get the content out there, have it produced, wrap up, um, get it out to all the various platforms and be able to get into that flow of getting this information out. And, you know, we're not just always going to be covering doom and gloom stuff here on TylerBlair.com. I know from the sort of average basic dipshit perspective out there, that's what it seems like we're doing. Well, well you're just being negative and you're, you like to cover this darker topics, but no, like this is our form of activism here and what we're doing to help provide solutions and uh, the solutions is covering how the mind control works, covering how the propaganda works. 
And that's not like the only solution out there. There are other solutions that we can talk about. And, uh, you know, the problem with solutions is people's ability to implement them. It's not the lack of solutions out there. It's not that we don't have solutions available. It's not like, oh, you're withholding, you know, solutions to the problems that you're bringing about. No, we're actually, you know, right now I'm live implementing a solution that I feel like is part of the overall solution. It's not the only thing that people should do, but exposing the lies, exposing the propaganda, helping other people see through some of this uh, stuff, and then being a voice out there to, you know, contribute to the choir of voices that will help influence things. Because you have to at least accept, you know, some of the stuff that we're going on today. You're not going to be able to provide any solutions about it until you understand what's occurring and wrap your head around, you know, the situation as it is. So giving some, you know, observation to the scenarios and then you can solve them. You can't just solve things by not knowing what they are. So sometimes you do need to dive into, but we're definitely not wanting to add to the fear porn. We're not trying to shake people awake or get excited about the next stock market crash or the big banking thing that's happening. Those things might be happening, but you know, they're not surprising. I mean, if you've been paying attention to how our economic system functions, then these boom bust cycles, these, uh, the massive, you know, cataclysm that we're headed towards is all been baked in. It's not it's operating as designed. Essentially my chair is uh, losing the height on it. I just felt myself getting lower and lower there in the chair. So yeah, so the 1984 clip in the beginning and then the very first clip was from the animated film uh beyond the reset and so that was a fictional scenario but it's looking into the future what the future could be and uh i'm just trying to pull it up here and give you a little b-roll of the uh that's not the right one of course did the this is the clip that we watched and again i think i talked about this last week or a couple weeks ago but it is an interesting little f animated film this guy's a you know getting his be compliant cola <laughs> uh he's eating the bugs as part of the solution for the swabian future you know he will change the weather by eating the bugs. And he's stuck in this little cell, basically, here, because he wouldn't get the vaccine, and so they're holding him. Uh, but that's what that clip was from. And, uh, you know, that it was... It, being today, we're talking about climate, we're talking about the propaganda. It was a good little bit of propaganda there, right? Like, the Amazon rainforest is producing too much CO2, and so... We've got to, you know, don't worry, we've installed solar panels and cut down the Amazon rainforest in order to combat the CO2 and those evil plants, you know, producing too much. And uh, then you, we had in the beginning Robert F. Kennedy Jr. clip him talking about the climate propaganda. And I don't agree with, uh, you know, I like him being a politician and he's like, what we need to do is not subsidize the carbon but subsidize these other things. And it's like, how about you just slow down there on your subsidizing things, you know? Um, of course, those are the ways, that's the way that he sees the world. And, 
He's, uh, I think, announced or seems to be running uh, for the president of the shit show, of the clown show. He wants to be the lead clown in the clown world order. Um, but no, it is interesting, though, right? I mean, nonetheless, him being John F. Kennedy's uh, nephew and the history there with Bobby Kennedy and uh, his fa- his brother obviously being murdered by various aspects of the CIA and the government and uh, the cover-up, the scandal, the Oswald story, the magic bullet. And uh, then RFK, you know, calling out a lot of things. Like he's calling out the propaganda, the climate science propaganda. He's calling out that COVID was used whether you want to say it was a virus or viruses aren't real, whatever the, the idea of it was used to manipulate people. It was used to, uh, initiate grand theft world or, you know, continue it. It was used to drive forward as we see now, you know, agenda 21, agenda 30 type things, things that we'll be talking about today, the uh, earth charter and the club of Rome and the world economic forum and the Bilderbergs and the Earth Summit and the United Nations uh, agendas were moved forward in a big way, you know, through things like 9-11 or through the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, he's calling those things out. That's good stuff. We, we, have, we can't just be like, oh, you know, it's all, he's a shill. It's, it's all bullshit. He's, he's a, you know, of course. You know, again, I'm not, I've never voted ever. So I don't, I don't have politics. I don't participate in politics. It doesn't mean I don't pay attention to what's going on in the world or have interest in, you know, what certain people might be saying or doing. In fact, you know, I do kind of like to keep an eye on the ongoing, you know, clown world out there and kind of sit back with my popcorn and analyze, you know, where it's all going. <laughs> or at least, you know, use it again, my chair falling down on me there sometimes it does that sometimes it doesn't do that it's a great chair it just sometimes starts to sink down i think we can all sympathize those of us that have chairs with hydraulics lifts on them but yeah so that kim iverson clip in the beginning you know the full thing will be in the show notes and you can check out the full interview is actually pretty interesting there were some other things that I wanted to include, but in the essence of time and, you know, the intro clips, we're not going to go further into that clip today. We have other clips that we're going to get into. And, uh, you know, like I said, the solutions in this case is uh, talking and exposing. We're not just going and describing the bars on the cage here. Uh, there are some people that don't see uh, how... The green agenda, climate change, global warming, you know, the polar bears are dying, all this stuff has been weaponized and was weaponized from the beginning. And it's another part of what we've been talking about with the fear control and manipulation in the last episode. And, you know, this is another layer using the same underlying principle of fear, though, the, in this case, the fear of destroying the planet the fear of nature, the fear of nature, you know, is going to come and get us. You know, it's an existential threat. It's something that's real. We do have times in history or even, you know, you can get 
in trouble and nature will kick your ass. But not only that, but major cataclysms, you know, floods, earthquakes, asteroids, things that have a deep-seated root in our ancestral memory that, you know, are being played on with this, uh, you know, new version of the manipulation. It's almost like ancient priests or something being able to predict the weather and using that information, you know, against the people that are sort of not as aware or, you know, he's aware of the moon cycle, the the priest. So he says there will be an eclipse at this time if, if this or that doesn't happen or if it does happen. It's a similar sort of thing with these modern day sorcerers of this weaponized information using the earth and uh, things that happen on the earth to, you know, point to, oh, see, see that hurricane thing that happened over there? You know, that is why you need to give us the power, give us the control, because look at what this planet is. And, and not only that, but you're the one doing it to the planet. You're the one that's causing it, you know? So it's, again, like this, you know, making you the enemy mentality, and playing that you're, we're bad, you know, human beings are bad, human beings are the enemy, right? So we're going to get into that today. We're going to cover the things more in depth that I'm discussing here. So let's go ahead and get into the slideshow for today. Again, this episode is titled The Climate of Control, Engineering Consciousness. So we're not just talking about the climate that the you know in the colloquial term we're talking about more about a climate the climate that's being created right I know that doesn't make it sound any different than what I said at first at first but what I'm talking about here is more about you know our mental climate and the climate of control being created, it's being engineered. It's engineering consciousness. It's an attempt to engineer consciousness. That's more about what the climate and the climate change and all the worry about climate and everything that has to do with, you know, the earth and saving the planet and saving the polar bears. And 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 don't get me wrong. Look, it's not that, it's not that I don't want clean air and clean water and clean environment and and uh clean you know animal husbandry and uh, you know doing away with mass uh farming of animals and uh in the bad conditions that they're raised in and it's not that i'm saying we this is where people get it wrong like well if you don't think that the climate change stuff is real then you're a science denier or something right like they think it's it's always got to be the opposite there can't be any more you know, in-depth layers to what's happening. It's like, if, you, if you're questioning this, then you're obviously a science denier. And that, that's, again, more of the weaponization, more of the propaganda actually being used against you to get you, it's like calling somebody a conspiracy theorist. It's just designed to get you to stop thinking, oh, I don't want to be outside of the crowd and I don't want to be outside of the box of normal thinking. So you're right. I mean, I don't want to be a client, client uh, climate science denier. I don't want to be a science denier. I don't want to look like I'm anti-science. So just because I'm, you know, exposing this stuff, it's not like I'm for, you know, destroying the planet. It's not at all what, you know, what we're doing here. We're questioning the narrative and we're going to go through and 
you know, this is opening our eyes to what's actually happening and been going on with this information, which is part of helping to resolve it and get through without being, you know, falling into the pitfalls and helping future generations as well, right? Because just because you got it or just because you got it figured out, it doesn't mean that the, the young folks growing up, you know, going through all the mind control propaganda indoctrination in the public school system, they don't got it. You know, they may not have it and they may need some help and coaching and assistance to see it. And so there has to be more voices out there using their voice to expose it. And that part of the issue why it's not just common knowledge that, you know, this is what the United Nations is actually about. This is what the Earth Charter and all of them are actually about, that they're actually, you know, a bunch of uh, depopulationists, uh, eugenicists. This is not what the unsaid is about, right? I thought that was about the planet. I thought the Rio summit and all that and the Paris peace conferences, those are all about what they're going to do in the next iteration of controlling human beings, how they're going to continue to control and maintain control and do more mind control and more population control and more dominance on you. That's what it's all about, right? And just because we can see it doesn't mean we shouldn't help others to see it too. All right. So this is part of the, oh, look at that. This is what happened last time too. The slide deck thing didn't function right, right away. Let's see if we can fix that. Gotta love that. Just like stops working. Let's try this again. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so this is part of the Creature of Control series that was part of some of the first work that I put out back in 2015, a series that I called the Creature of Control. And so that's why we kind of named today the Climate of Control. The Climate of Control is a part of the series and will be located in the categories on my website underneath the creature of control. That's what we're discussing more today also, is about the creature in this control system. And the climate of control, again, is a spin on that engineering consciousness. So yeah, again, we're not just talking about the weather here today, folks. We're going to have to get that through for the slow people, though we will be talking about the weather too, so that might be confusing. But uh, check out the Creature of Control series. It goes back to some of my first productions, like I said, and this will be added in as part of that series to continue on, which I promised for a long time now and just hadn't been able to get uh, get it done. So we're sort of doing it here on these freeform podcasts, adding into the Creature of Control series. I have a hard time listening to the older episodes because when you hear yourself uh, unpracticed and not really doing that great with putting down what you're trying to say and you start hearing yourself fumble eight years ago on some old content, but there's still some good pieces there that I think are worth listening to. And uh, again, goes back to some of the very first stuff that we produced. So it feels good to be able to add to that series today and uh, continue on with that journey. This is, today is also being broadcast on freedomsrising.live. Freedomsrising.live is a podcast, a philosophy, 
It's a worldview, a white pill-ism, and uh, a server that I have running a 24-7 live stream, which happens to be working. So when we go and look at the screen share, you can see that this is the slide that we're on, and it's live on freedomsrising.live. So I was having some issues that I've resolved on the server I call Thor over here behind me on my awesome audio cart. If anyone who doesn't have an awesome AV rack like they did in the school, like, you know, when they wheeled that thing out, you knew that it was going to be a good day at school when the teacher wheeled one of these out with the big CRT, you know, old TV on it. They were like top heavy, like falling like some crap VCR that was like, you know, tied into that TV. And uh, that's when you knew it was going to be a movie day. Right. Well, that's the idea of that cart is to be able to do mobile productions, obviously, because it's on wheels and it rolls around. But it's part of the Freedom's Rising workflow and Thor. The server is doing much better today. And uh, it's been running for about a week now without any crashes, any problems at all. So I'm pretty sure I resolved that issue. And now it's just got like way more horsepower than it actually needs. But that's okay because we're going to be doing more with the 24-7 live streaming and adding streams to that workflow. And so we'll show you more about that someday. Uh, we'll show you more about how that works on the local network here, how I sort of send things around and, you know, make it so I can do those simultaneous streams while I'm streaming on this main rig with the tylerblair.com streams actually going out. And I'm used so I have multiple platforms that I'm streaming to without needing to use any service. I've sort of created the service here to be able to do that. So that's cool. And, uh, you know, RTMP servers and all that. I'm not even doing anything that complicated. So I will be eventually, but not quite yet. All right. So we are also, you know, posting our content and part of the One Great Work Network. And you can find that at the onegreatworknetwork.com. There's also a 24-7 live stream there with various content creators being played into the stream. And it's, you know, just turn it on and you, you don't have to think about it. The programming is being done for you. You know, the broadcast has a playlist that is being played out and you don't have to keep changing it other things and then you can find all the great content creators there at the one great work network.com and support their work and uh, that's where you'll also find a place that i post my content each week and put it up there on the one great work network and most of my content has been also posted over there not all of it not every single piece but like most of the stuff that i thought was current and needed to be on there <laughs> okay so the next thing coming up is the for Cassandra and uh, her next class for Alt Eats, which I'm announcing here, not only because she's my beautiful wife, who I love very much and I support what she does, but it's also, if you're in the local area, it's a good uh, thing to sign up for to come and uh, you know meet us or work with Cassandra as uh, she will be presenting the class and then also because I do the technical side, we're producing this mobily. We bring our awesome audio visual cart to there and I get to learn and work on some techniques as well as uh, produce live and not again, the concept of 
no editing. I know, like, that's cringy. Like, no editing. You're not going to clean it up and make it perfect. Well, it's not that we can't edit things. It's that we have this, like, one-and-done concept with, uh, the you know, the stream decks and the multiple cameras and the mobile camera using things like Video Ninja to just get it all done in one shot and be done, you know, call it done. Yeah, we can go back and edit and do those things. But anyway, the alt sugar chocolate cl- uh, making class is actually pretty exciting. If you can make your own healthy chocolate, it's actually also, you know, part of a solutions thing here. You can have sweets and, uh, you know, cure that sweet tooth without needing to put things into your body that are going to negatively affect your health or supporting companies that you'd rather not support. And it's actually very simple because I've seen her do this. And so I've been lucky enough to enjoy the chocolate as well as uh, see how it's done. And it's quite simple, actually, quite, you know, that's exciting for those people that, you know, like to eat sweets. So go to alteats.life and you can sign up for the event there or get in touch with Cassandra if you have questions. And uh, also catch the replays live that we record as we record them. And next thing is that in September, we'll be doing, uh, I will be helping the Seed 5 Metamorphosis uh, online conference uh, be done. And so I will be doing the live streaming for that event as well. And there's a ton of great speakers, and I want to thank again uh, the Martins for inviting me back to help produce this amazing conference of an amazing set of speakers, and it's a free online conference about the occult, esotericism, freedom, history, philosophy, symbolism, and natural law on September 23rd and 24th. That's a Saturday and Sunday, so most people should be around to be able to listen in and hear the live stream, and help support the Seed 5 Metamorphosis Conference by going to seedtruth.com, and you can find more about the Seed Truth Academy and the previous conferences, and there's uh, a nice index of the work that's been done previously that you can go back and watch and uh, get ready and bookmark that for the upcoming Seed 5 Metamorphosis uh, online conference. Again, the production here is being done by (laughs) the slide deck. Why is it doing that? Changing to the next slide, and we're not getting a response on the screen over here. We're going to have to go out and back in. Luckily, it's not too hard to fix. But that is annoying. Okay, so the Within the Stones Media Network is the live streaming, all the uh, services that we offer at withinthestones.com you can find. And I more work with people one-on-one to help them produce the content that they'd like to produce. And I'm pretty selective with the type of people that I would work with. I'm not out here advertising a service to the world. But you know, more sort of to our community and the people that I want to support and help do their work. And the way that I do that is through Within the Stones Media Network. And so if you're a content creator in this realm who's looking to 
you know, work with someone to help increase your production, to help boost your game or learn about certain aspects of the technology that you're stuck on. That's kind of what we're trying to do there with Within the Stones Media Network. That came, got a little smaller, didn't it? Let's see. Don't know what happened there. The frame here on my slide got messed up. I'm just trying to fix that really quick. I don't know why it moved around on me. That's weird. Okay, it looks a little weird, but we'll just continue on. Again, today, climate of control, engineering consciousness. We're going to be going into some quotes. We're going to be going into uh, quite a few examples of how it's not exactly really about climate. It's not about climate change that they're really concerned about. They're concerned about controlling you. They're concerned about creating a climate of control where you can be easily controlled and manipulated through you know, some of the things that we already talked about through, you know, manipulating your fears, manipulating your consciousness to play on things in a way that, you know, is a lot more in-depth than most people would understand. But it's also very simple. You know, like we talked about last time, like the fear, uncertainty, and doubt so we'll cover we'll we'll be recovering that again today as well but the common this is a a quote from the club of rome and this quote here is actually from the first global revolution it says the common enemy of humanity is men in searching for a new enemy to unite us we came up with the idea that Pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. All these dangers are caused by human intervention, and it is only through changed attitudes and behavior that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. And again, that's... A book, The First Global Revolution, a report by the Council of the Club of Rome by Alexander King and Bertrand Schneider, um, members of the Club of Rome, and has been used quite a few times in people describing, you know, the things that I'm trying to get at today, that the real enemy of these people that are carrying out these, you know, the climate change, the world, we need to fix the p- world, we got to fix the planet, oh my, you're, we're destroying nature. This is the real ideology behind what those people believe. And so again, the main uh, tactics that they'll use, and of course my, okay, there we go. Finally, that time it came up. I think I know what's happening there actually now. Maybe that's the problem. We'll put that over there. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. FUD. These are the tactics that are going to be played on fear mainly, right? The FUD thing is just more, you know, kind of a cute acronym 
it's really all the same thing. It's really all fear that's being used to manipulate. Fear being used to play on your psychology. Fear to keep you in a state of mind that is in, again, more of the reptilian complex, the fight-or-flight complex. The You're not doing higher-level orders of thinking to design your future, to design a better life, to even fight against these people, these t- sorts of things. Now we're stuck in a lower complex thinking about, oh, what are people going to think if I speak out? Or, oh, what if that's... What if, what if I sound crazy if I start to talk about these sorts of things? Where you can see, like, even, like, the Democratic president nominee is, like, exposing that it's all propaganda used, weaponized against you, but the average basic dipshit out there is not going to hear that, right? Because that doesn't meet up with their worldview. Like, what? I thought the cow farts were destroying everything and we had to eat the bugs, and you're trying to tell me that it's just propaganda? Yeah, like that again, that, oh, the global war, it's all going to heat up and boil over, better not eat meat. Like that's, again, just a way to manipulate you, to control you, fear control. So that is definitely, you know, one of the main, again, tools and methodologies of the people from the United Nations, from uh, UNESCO, from UNSAID, from the Rio Charter or whatever, the Rio Earth Summit. They're looking for a thing to use as a weapon against you and climate and the earth was what they've decided to use because it's, again, it has legs. It can go for a long time. They can continue to recycle it. Of course, now they're mixing in all the viruses and the evil monkeys and pangolins and the bats and pangolins are mating behind the scenes and getting into your wet market. And, you know, when really, again, they're just leveraging the idea of a virus when really it's like, you know, no, what it was was the military designed a biological weapon and deployed it and made it look like it came out of a China lab, which was clearly the Oswald Institute of Virology story, like the magic bullet thing. And just, you know, making it seem like, well, if it did leak from a lab, then it was from China, not from, I mean, it's like, well, clearly the EcoHealth Alliance funding from the NI. AID and Fauci's NIH organizations and all the grants and different things that they were given and the viruses that they were handed, you know, which again, it's, it's just biological warfare. It's not like these are viruses and we have to prove that it's either a virus or not a virus. Like it's a, it's a weapon that was created and designed. And, you know, again, the thing with nature, oh, it was, but it came from nature, right? Again, so making us again, scared, of nature and these techniques are also also been used in things like 9/11 or even the JFK assassination. So here you got this meme sort of incorporates both of those or this slide here and I put in slavery in the cloud smoke coming out of the World Trade Centers there but that was also something that was leveraging you know the fear of people and it was a worldwide mind control propaganda event used to instill fear into the hearts and minds of men to then carry out you know their nefarious agendas of invading invading Afghanistan and Iraq again and also you know continuing the war on terror the war on terror 
like uh, George W. Bush said it, the war on Terra, which is kind of interesting, right? Because Terra being another word for the Earth, uh, and the way he said it was like with a southern accent, like the war on Terra is continuous. If you're not with us, you're with the terrorists. So he had like this way of like mixing Terra in with terror. But, you know, the basic point here being, you know, Fear, again, is the main weapon used against you. Chaos, you know, engineering consciousness through chaos. So um, out of chaos comes control, right? The order out of chaos or order ob chao, I think is the a Freemasonic motto, right? To create... Uh, our order in our image to create the world in our image, we will use chaos to then create the solutions that we want to create, right? And that's what this, the whole thing with the global warming and climate change is the same thing. Fear of nature in this case. Fear, using our fear of nature against us that we have. And this is not, again, like our nature, like our, the way we are. We're not talking about, and in one way it might be the fear of that. But this is like actual nature, like going out, oh, it's scary and dark and you never know when nature's going to come up and bite you and you got disease and, you know, uh, you have you know wet and cold and, uh, and just unbearable conditions or nature may even, you know, have cataclysm. And there's ancient cataclysm, as I said, you know, built in to our psychology. It's just basically like, you know ancestral memory and sexual ancestral trauma that then they know well about that they can play on that that we have an existential fear of nature you know and they'll and they play on that through this oh if we don't the global warming's gonna come get you if you don't listen to us and if you don't change all your behavior and stop driving those suvs you know, when really, I mean, the, the thing that's changing the climate the most is the sun. The sun is the most, the, the biggest changer of climate is going to be the sun. Human beings may have some effect on the climate. I'm not denying that fact or that we have, you know, negative effects, but we're nothing compared to what the sun can do to change the climate, what the sun can do to cause even catastrophe, you know, an electromagnetic pulse or something, or solar flares, I think the same sort of concept there. But even just the, you know, the sun waxing and waning in its own cycles of solar maximum, solar minimum cycles, is going to have much more of an effect on all the planets. And they've shown scientifically, you know, that all the planets are changing, and uh, shifting and even warming in some cases or cooling in other cases. And there's no SUVs on Mars, you know, that that are changing the things on Mars rapidly. There's no cows farting, as far as I'm aware, on Mars, changing things rapidly there or over time shifting things. So climates change. We're not saying they don't change. We're not saying well, the climate doesn't change because that's also a ridiculous thing to say, right? So just like being worried about the climate changing is sort of ridiculous as well because it's going to continuously change no matter what you know, not to say no matter what we do, but most likely we have very little impact compared to other things like, like I said, like the sun. So next quote here is from the Earth Charter's website. And I got all these quotes from 
thegreenagenda.com, which seems to not be operating anymore. I swear that was a Rosa Corey's site. I might be wrong about that. And she is no longer with us. So, I mean, that might make sense why that Green Agenda site got taken down or is no longer operating or it's not Rosa Corey's site. But there were a lot of these quotes and I've confirmed a lot of them through looking at you know, things like on Mark Passio's arc, you can get most of the books that are there or on Libgen. But on this quote, it says, this was from their website, apparently, the current course of development of the thus clearly unsustainable current problems cannot be solved by piecemeal measures. More of the same is not enough. Radical change from the current trajectory is not an option, but an absolute necessity. Fundamental economic, social, and cultural changes that address the root cause of poverty and environmental degradation are required, and they are required now. So, again, the Earth Charter. Uh, I'll pull it up here. You can see it's like a declaration. It's like a manifesto. Whoops of you know how they're going to solve the problems like laid out in that quote there and their website looks like this it says the earth charter is a document with 16 principles that drive a global movement toward a more just and sustainable and peaceful world to support the movement our education center offers courses resources material and network opportunities to turn uh, conscious into action So that's what they're, that's where that came from, that quote, apparently. So climate, who's climate? You know, again, whose climate are they trying to change? And it's, it's not the climate. And that's the argument that I'm making here today. It's your climate. It's your mental, psychological climate that they're trying to change. There's an internal and an external climate. And it's not about trying to save the planet. It's about manipulating you. There's a dual meaning here that they'll, again, that's what these secret society type folks like to do or people with superior knowledge is when, or even like you'll see in the arts, like a song can mean one thing to somebody, but a completely different thing to somebody else. So interpretation is one thing but meaning and intent is another and i'll say like when al gore is talking about taking control of the climate you know he's using this sort of trickery there say and it's really about taking control of your climate like you need to be controlled again government means uh, mind control it also is a is a dual-sided word I'm fine to have self-mind control. I want to have control over my mind. I want to be able to think my own thoughts and have my own, you know, my own uh, thoughts about things and, you know, come to my own conclusion, be able to weigh and and look at things in the, the way that I want to look at things or, you know, be able to have some time to think about things the way that I want to think about them. But someone else controlling your mind an external mind controller, again, government, meaning mind control, uh, gouvernar and mente, uh, from Latin words or Greek words, I don't get it straight every time, 
not a Latin student, though I should be, you know, especially getting into studying things like the law or the Bible. Uh, we really should go back etymologically a lot of the time, but that's what this is. The climate they're trying to control is your climate. And then, you know, using all this fear of nature and the fear of humans and fear of everything to control your climate. So it's a, it's a, it's not just that they want to manipulate the weather, but they do. They do want to do that as well. We're going to talk about that. They're going to manipulate the climate. They're going to even maybe bring the order out of chaos that they create. But that's mainly, again, it's back to engineering your consciousness is the idea with all basically of the green agenda and it was making you feel bad you're bad you're destroying the planet you're a cancer on the earth you should stop having kids you're overpopulated you're using up all the lithium you're using up all the coal you're putting all the co2 you're bad people are bad people should just shouldn't be here so it's an anti-human cult that's been hijacking our education system hijacking the media hijacking you know where the where the funding goes like uh, rfk was saying we shouldn't put it in here we should put it over here you know and like you know the, it's all focusing the attention on them and they're needed to save us we all need them to save us right it puts them in power them in control to, by engineering your climate and your consciousness so maury strong who was a huge individual in this whole thing and just insane amount of energy and like committees and clubs and different things that Maury Strong was connected to. And I had him here in my brain model. Pull that up here. And the United Nations Conference on Environmental and Development unsaid uh, had a big part Maury Strong had a big part to play in that and also you know he's connected in and was working with the Rockefellers uh, we would consider this sort of new world order folk uh, worldwide fund for nature the, the World Bank the United Nations all you know culminating in a Maury Strong type figure which leads to things like Agenda 21 and United Nations Conference on Environmental and development uh, again he was a big part of that and we have a few quotes from him coming up in here i wonder if they even mention him here in the earth summit uh no but we'll get to that as well the quote goes current lifestyles and consumption patterns of the affluent middle class involving high meat intake and fossil fuels appliances air conditioning and suburban housings are not sustainable so you know again this is coming back from you know 50 60 years ago it's not something new it's not something the world economic forum has you know, created. Uh, Maury Strong. <clears throat> uh, is Canadian. In the early 1970s, he was the Secretary General at the United Nations Conference on Human and the Environment 
and then became the first executive director of the United Nations Environmental Program. He returned to Canada to become chief executive officer of Petro-Canada. From 1976 to 1978, he headed Ontario Hydro, one of North America's largest power utilities, and was national president and chairman of the Extension Committee of the World Alliance YMCA's and the headed American Water Development Incorporated. He served, I mean, like I said, it just goes on and on with this guy. He served as a commissioner of the World Commission on Economic or Environment and Development in 1986, and he was recognized by the International Union and for Conservation of Nature as a leader of the international environmental movement. He was president on the Council of University of Peace from 1998 to 2006. A very interesting character. He was at the Stockholm Conference, strong commission to report on the state of the planet, only one Earth, the care and maintenance of of a small planet, and co-authored. So he basically had his hands in like every damn thing that had to do with the United Nations and the Earth Summit and the uh, World Wildlife Fund, and again, a Rockefeller organization being appointed by the Rockefellers uh, to these various positions, you know, uh, Godfrey Rockefeller was a founder of the world. So he was at, a, at the founding. So again, back to the slide deck, though. I just wanted to give some context on who Maury Strong was, where that uh, quote came from. And I'm, I'm putting engineered as the title to all these to show you that this is something that has been designed. It's not like these people just suddenly started caring about the planet. This was... Uh, something thought up and designed as the next way to bring about world government was going to be through climate and through allowing things like free market capitalism to go on and then blame all the results of all the pollution on the same thing, on free market capitalism and bringing in, again, back again to this neo-communist technocratic future is uh, being now going to be on the horse on the back of nature and the world and the green agenda and COVID was sort of the beginning of that as well as you know a continuation of that it wasn't the very beginning of that obviously but it was sort of the implementation of here we go like here's our big push we got to get people used to locking down we got to get them used to the idea of 15 minute cities we got to get them used to the idea of you know being uh, controlled by a scientific elite and not by their countries or their uh you know governments local governments or state governments or national governments but a world voice of uh you know people that really care about the planet a lot more than you do and so we know what's better we know what's best right so that's the idea of putting the power and control into the hands of these people through environmental catastrophe through environmental emergency and so here you'll see a series of quotes in that same vein of what their plan was that here the president of the UN Foundation, Timothy Wirth, said, we've got to ride this global warming issue even if the theory of global warming is wrong. We will be doing the right thing in terms of economic and environmental policy. Or here Christine Stewart, a former Canadian minister of the environment, says, no matter if the science of 
global warming is all phony, climate change provides the greatest opportunity to bring about justice and equality in the world. Another quote here from Chris Folland, Hadley Center of Climate Prediction and Research says, the data doesn't matter. We're not basing our recommendations on the data. We're basing them on the climate models. So again, these models, just like with COVID, right? They had these predictive models that was telling us how many millions of people were going to die if we didn't lock down and do what the government said, right? So they, they'll make the models look how they want. That how to lie with statistics is on Bill Gates's uh, reading list, right? He places it at the top of, of the reading list. Okay. The models are convenient fictions that provide something very useful, said Dr. Dave Frame, climate modeler from the Oxford University. Here's Al Gore, the climate change activist from hell that we're all very well aware of. I believe it is, an, it is appropriate to have an over-representation of the facts on how dangerous it is as a predicate for opening up the audience. So he, he thinks it's okay to use uh, you know, fear tactics and shock shock and awe campaign, right? To, to get you to listen. That's how important it is, right? So they're, they're okay with propaganda, basically, is what they're saying. They're okay using propaganda to implement this agenda, right? Which is, again, to control you and your climate. And, and even, you know, not just your psychological climate, but your physical climate, your conditions, your options even. So internal and external climate, that's, again, just driving that point home here, that it's consciousness that's being engineered here. That's the, that's the climate that they're trying to control. That's the climate that they're so concerned about. And they're using that dual meaning, not to say that there isn't real concerns with the actual you know, outside world climate. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that they will 100% of the time, they're actually talking about you. No, it's, I'm not saying that either. I'm saying... You know, the general concept and push behind all this is to engineer you, to control you. It's not about the weather. Although they're going to use weather, they're going to use things like manipulating the weather, geoengineering, you know, stratospheric aerosol injection, harp, whatever, you know, frequencies, 5G. They're going to use the external climate. But again, none of that has to do with controlling the, the, we need to make sure the earth is okay. It's not about saving the earth. It's about manipulating and controlling you. So here it says, The greatest hope for the earth lies in religionists and scientists uniting to awaken the world to its near-fatal predicament and then leading mankind out of the bewildering maze of international crisis into the future utopia of humanist hope. And this is the Club of Rome, Goals for Mankind. And I just, I didn't know if I had this one, actually. I wanted to check really quick. But I'm doing it, doing it, doing it live here. So again, I mean, this 
coming from the folks at the Club of Rome, oftentimes the, it'll just say the Club of Rome because they'll commission books that are multi, have multiple authors or papers or publications. It doesn't look like I have this document available. But that's okay. We've got several more quotes we want to get through here. So here, again, Maurice Strong. Again, Maurice Strong being a prominent individual in this whole scheme, or was. And I'm just pulling up, seeing if I could pull something up here. But he says, isn't the only hope for the planet that the industrialized civilizations collapse? Isn't our responsibility to bring it about. So there you go. Now we see a little bit more of what, what this is all really about. So again, internal and external climate. So here, Paul Ehrlicht, said, the uh, professor of population studies, says a massive campaign must be launched to de-develop the United States. De-develop means bringing our economic system in line, into line with the realities of ecology and the world resource situation. And from the UN Agenda 21, it says, effective execution of Agenda 21 will require a profound reorientation of all human society. Unlike anything the world has ever experienced, a major shift in the priorities of both governments and individuals, and an unprecedented redeployment of human and financial resources. The shift will demand that a concern for the environment consequences of every human action be integrated into individual and collective decision-making at every level. So now, again, we see, we're like, oh, Agenda 21 is all conspiracy crap, man. That's not real. Okay. Just keep keep saying that. Keep, keep pretending that what's been going on recently has nothing to do with what they've well documented that they want to do and called out and said in many books and quotes and, and levels and documents and think tanks and various platforms and conferences and secret conferences and not secret conference. I mean, this is what they discuss and they talk about and then it starts to happen and it's a crazy conspiracy guy thing to think that this is what's happening. No, no, just giving up our, you know, our supposed constitutional rights, which is a big problem with that statement because no one is protected by the constitution any longer. That's been long gone for a long time now. You're basically just a slave on a plantation who's being manipulated and brainwashed with every next tragedy coming down the pipeline that they want to keep hitting you with the fear while they implement their agenda, which is to control you, move your rights into a United Nations law, United Government, one world order body of your rights don't fucking matter thing. And then you know, you'll essentially just be eating the bugs in your little FEMA camp prison cell as as you if you don't comply or you know just be done away with essentially exterminated 
no need for your kind anymore. Anybody that has any concept of freedom or bodily autonomy, um, you know, it's going to be more like this. It'll be, uh, you will eat the bugs and change the weather. And then everyone, we will eat the bugs and change the weather. This is the cult-like belief system. This is the this is what it comes down to in the modern fashion, and it's only going to get crazier. But this is what, you know, in my case, you, you know, however many years of indoctrination that I want to add together, let's say the public school system, at least 12, of telling us how bad we are, and we're destroying the planet, and human beings are just a cancer on the planet, and we're overpopulating it, and we're so horrible... So now we've gotten to the point where instead of eating, you know, things that are actually nutritious for you, things that can actually sustain you, it's about saving the planet so you can eat grasshoppers and cricket powder, things with, you know, what is it, chitin or whatever, the different toxins that can be in the bug shell, or just the fact that, you know, a cow out in the field... Eating on the grass is apparently not as sustainable as, you know, monocropping or things like that. Like, you know, go out to the Southwest or something or the Midwest. Like, it sounds like you're from the city on the East Coast or the West Coast and, like, never been through the country and seen how much uh, a cow's out, out in the field eating or walking on large pastures or grazing on open range or whatever is not destroying the planet, you know, but I wonder how the way that they're mass producing these bugs and getting them to you is, you know, probably more harmful than the cows eating the grass and turning it into nutritious uh, meal. And, you know, this is the, the kind of mind control. And I think, I think this is actually a very funny meme because this is, it, it puts it in a nutshell, like the belief system and how silly it is, right? And I know that there's people that are getting all triggered and, oh, my God, and he's not a vegan. And, oh, my God, he's not talking about eating plants all. But I think real sustainability does come through small farm uh, permaculture design and uh, function stacking, which includes using animals and stewarding livestock to be able to produce soil and create, you know, a real sustainable future for humanity versus this pseudo, you know, you will eat the bugs and listen to Al Gore uh, running off the cliff is where we're going with their, with the way that they've been taking us and being complete slaves to something that's being created. That's, you know, and uh, completely, you know, terrifying, picture of what the future looks like as we continue to go down the path of these psychopaths who really are just looking again to control the masses to control the scary masses because they might even really believe that the world is overpopulated they might really even believe that that's what they're trying to fix so they're not coming out and telling you like look we're trying to reduce you and your family like we don't want as many of you around and so we're just going to have to kind of get that done, you know. That's not what they're saying. There's, oh, well, you know, sustainability and environment and sustainable development. These are all the talismanic words. These are all the sorcerer's tricks to get you to depopulate yourself. Again, you're bad. 
your car is bad, your family is bad, you're just a bad thing on the planet, you're just destroying it. No, they don't say it like that. They tell you, oh, well, you know, what we're trying to do is green things and make things more sustainable. Again, it's all doublespeak, basically, or, you know, green language, in a sense, that they're using words that have dual or, you know, multi-meanings to explain their message that they all understand what they're saying. You know, they get what their club is actually trying to get done. You're too stupid to figure it out is the way they look at it. Um, I think I skipped this one. We'll go back to it. Al Gore, Earth in Balance, says, We require a central organizing principle, one agreed to voluntarily. Minor shifts in policy, moderate improvements in laws and regulations, rhetoric offered in lieu of genuine change. These are all forms of appeasement designed to satisfy the public's desire to believe that sacrifice, struggle, and wrenching transformation of society will not be necessary. Judy Bari, principal organizer of Earth First, if we don't overthrow capitalism, we don't have a chance of saving the world ecologically. I think it is possible to have an ecologically sound society under socialism. I think I don't think it's possible under capitalism. So again, the Fabian socialists, the wolf in sheep's clothing, democracy. This is all also designed as a form of mind control, as a form of controlling people, as a form of climate of control. It's the creature of control. Democratic socialism is the slow moving tortoise towards their agendas, which is socialism, which is this neo-communism, which has been now called democratic socialism, which is nothing more than just, again, weaponized politics, uh, the negative connotation of mind control, government. That's what that form of socialism really is, centralized planning. People that know better than you about your life that are going to control it for you. Don't worry about it. Here we have Dr. Robert Mueller, UN Assistant Secretary General, says, In my view, after 50 years of service in the United Nations system, I perceive the utmost urgency and absolute necessity for proper Earth government. There is no shadow of a doubt that the present political and economic systems are no longer appropriate and will lead to the end of life evolution on this planet. We must therefore absolutely and urgently look for new ways, which they're going to basically end life as we know it and merge us in with cyborgs and we're going to be in the transhumanist future all in an effort probably to save the planet, like though somehow you're going to need to be on your digital ID, social credit score, CBDC thing, right? Because it's better for the planet that way. Things move more freely, you know, there's not as much resistance, uh, that's the way they're going to put it all. It, it works better. Cash is dirty. It's outdated. You know, and the Federal Reserve System is obviously not working anymore, even though we're just going to have this like new Fed now iteration of the new Federal Reserve System. And again, engineered the Club of Rome, the World Economic Forum, the Klaus Schwabian, the Henry Kissinger, the Bilderberg. This is all the face of what they're doing. We can see it clear as day now out in the open once we have the context of what the history is on this and what they've been working on. So Mikhail Gorbachev, co-author of the Earth Charter, I envisage a 
the principles of the Earth Charter to be a new form of the Ten Commandments. They lay the foundation for a sustainable global Earth community. So again, the new cult, the new religion is uh, Gaia, Mother Earth worship, right? And all this like externalized to the nature and all these like almost vague things to people um, instead of, you know, uh, empowering yourself or believing in God or, you know, having a Christian faith. It's, it's the new scientific cult, the scientism, right? The, the medic, the medical cult that we saw take power with COVID and will continue to remain in power because now it's the earth. Now you're destroying the earth. You're not just spreading viruses around, which you're doing that too, according to them, right? Which are really just by, like I said, biological mRNA weaponized uh, weapons <laughs> that they've used. This has nothing really to do with whether viruses exist or not. There are poisons. I think we could agree on that for the people that, oh, there's no viruses. What about toxins? What about poisons? What about things that harm you? Or can I just go drink a gallon of bleach and that's not going to be a problem? No, there are things that harm you uh, that they can create and aerosolize and weaponize and uh, that that exists. So maybe that's part of what we see with Bill Gates's famous slide here on how we need to get the people, the services per person, the energy per serving and the C per service and the CO2 per energy unit down to zero. Like that's his goal. So let's go to a clip of old Billy Boy and get the famous, uh, we're going to reduce the world with vaccines, I believe is where he, he wants to innovate to zero using vaccinations. Uh, this was several years back. I've pointed this out for many years about how this is what Bill Gates wanted to do was use va vaccines to depopulate the planet and get the CO2 to zero. Well, you are CO2. You, you, uh, you know, are part of the carbon, right? So let's get your carbon footprint down to zero, right? That's, that's what Bill Gates wants to do. Let's go look at that clip. And, uh, I'm sorry to have to put you through old Bill Gates here, but let's just go to this. I'm going to talk today about energy and climate. And that might seem a bit surprising because my full-time work at the foundation is mostly about vaccines and seeds, about the things that we need to invent and deliver to help the poorest two billion live better lives. But energy and climate are extremely important to these people. In fact, more important than to anyone else on the planet. The climate getting worse means that many years their crops won't grow. There'll be too much rain, not enough rain, uh, things will change in ways that their fragile environment simply can't support. And that leads to starvation. It leads to uncertainty. It leads to unrest. Uh, so the, the climate changes will be terrible for them. Also, the price of energy is very important to them. In fact, if you could pick just one thing to lower the price of to reduce poverty, by far you would pick energy. Now, the price of energy has come down over time. Uh, really... Advanced civilization uh, is based on advances in, in energy. 
the coal revolution fueled the industrial revolution, and even in the 1900s, we've seen a very rapid decline in the price of electricity. And that's why we have refrigerators, air conditioning. We can make uh, modern materials and do so many things. And so we're in a wonderful situation with uh, electricity in the rich world. But as we make it cheaper, and let's say let's go for making it uh, twice as cheap, we need to meet a new constraint. And that constraint has to do with CO2. CO2 is warming the planet. And the equation on CO2 is actually a, a very straightforward one. If you sum up the CO2 that gets emitted, that leads to a temperature increase. And that temperature increase leads to some very negative effects. The effects on the weather, uh, perhaps worse, the indirect effects in that uh, the natural ecosystems can't adjust to these rapid changes, and so you get ecosystem collapses. Now, the exact amount of how you map from a, a certain increase in of CO2 to what temperature will be and where the positive feedbacks are, there's some uncertainty there, but not very much. And there's certainly uncertainty about how bad those effects will be, but they will be extremely bad. I asked the top scientists on this several times, do we really have to get down to near zero? Can't we just you know, cut it in half or a quarter? And the answer is that until we get near to zero, the temperature will continue to rise. And so that's, that's a big challenge. It's very different than saying, you know, we're a 12-foot high truck trying to get it's under a 10-foot bridge. It's a big challenge to, to control all these people. under. This is something that's that my has job. to get to zero. Now, we put out a lot of carbon dioxide every year. Uh, oh, over 26 billion he does. tons. We, you put out a lot. Uh, for each we're going to have to get it to zero. About 20 tons. Uh, for people in poor countries, it's less than one ton. It's an average of about five tons for everyone on the planet. And somehow we have to make changes that will bring that down to zero. It's been constantly going up. It's only various economic changes that have even flattened it at all. So we have to go from rapidly rising to falling and falling all the way to zero. This equation has four factors, a little bit of multiplication. So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy so got to reduce the on people. average for each service, number, and number the CO2 of people. being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Oh, Probably one of these numbers laugh. is going to have to get pretty near to zero. <laughs> Probably. Uh, got to get everybody to zero. high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got population. Now, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. But there we see an increase oh. of uh, about 1.3. Oh, using vaccines the second, to reduce the population. The world today has 6.8 huh? billion people. Let's hear that again. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. But there we see an increase of uh, about 1.3. The second factor is the services we use. This encompasses everything. Now, again, he's always going to make it seem like what he's saying is there to help you. 
But what he's really saying is there's too many of you, too many people, and we're going to use vaccines and healthcare to reduce the population. So what is he talking about there? You know, abortion, uh, birth control, sterilization, uh, reproductive health services such as some sort of, you know, vaccine health that apparently reduces the population. Interesting. You know, and and this was several years ago. I can't recall exactly. I'm not going to go fumble looking it up right now. But that was not recently. That was not post-COVID. That was all very much pre-COVID. And again, what a coincidence that, you know, Bill then invested heavily into vaccines at that point. Him and his investors have made, you know, billions on you know, fulfilling this agenda. And he he's nothing but a radical eugenicist psychopath who thinks that they can make the decisions for us and he's got the power and control. And it's not just him, it's his lineage, it's his family. This is the cult-like belief system of eugenicists. And they think that they're doing the right thing to save the planet, right? We got to get this carbon number to zero, even though the reason our world has so many amazing things that it does and even now we're seeing that there could be a that there is a greening effect from carbon that's actually that's why that clip in the beginning from the after the reset was so you know funny because it's like they destroyed the amazon to get rid of the carbon to save the planet right no like the carbon is a good thing for the plants and it actually creates a greening and it maybe even possibly a cooling effect on the planet uh, but, you know, still, again, it's not about saving the planet. Their real goal here is like Bill said, we're going to have to get one of these numbers to zero. Which which one of these numbers do you think that he really wants to get to zero? You know, it, he wants less people. That's their thing. That's these transhumanist sick psychopaths thing is to get rid of the humans, to have less human beings on the planet. Okay, so a couple more quotes here. From Professor Paul Ehrlich from The Population Bomb, a cancer is an uncontrollable multiplication of cells. The population explosion is an uncontrollable multiplication of people. We must shift our efforts from the treatment of the symptoms to the cutting out of the cancer. The operation will demand many apparent brutal and heartless decisions. See, so, see the pragmatism? See the cult-like mentality, the scientific, the scientism, that they, they have a problem, there's not enough hats going around, and, and so instead of manufacturing some more hats, they want to cut off the heads of people, because we're a cancer, right? That's where this ideas come, these ideas come from these people with, with power and influence who have seeded into us. And like I said, I remember, you know, the propaganda in school about how bad we are and we're just killing the polar bears and, oh, don't you care about the polar bears? Well, I can assure everyone, you know, the polar bears are just fine now. That was all a lie. That was propaganda. And uh, here from David Foreman, the co-founder of Earth First, my three main goals would be to reduce human population to about 100 million worldwide, destroy the industrial infrastructure, and see wilderness with all its full complement of species returning throughout the world. Oh, isn't that just so nice? 
Isn't that so great? Yeah, entropy is going to be the solution. That's what these people don't understand. You can't just re- you can't just be like Gates and reduce one of the numbers to zero and have everything work out. It's just not going to work that way, Bill Gates. But it's like they don't get it. And that's why I played those clips in a couple episodes ago of Elon Musk, you know, and some of the things he's been saying, which are, I'm not a Musk fanboy, but like the counter narrative does need to be put out there that there are people that are actually populationists. There are people that think that the human species is a good thing and not a cancer on the earth and that we should actually continue to grow the population because that's how you sustain innovation. That's how you continue to have a thriving population you can't just uh you know reduce the the birth rate reduce the amount of people producing and and only let like the the people that are elite and you know gone along with all the agendas reproduce and have everything just work out but that's again they're going to bring in the ai they're thinking this is the time to do it because if we reduce now we all these uh infrastructure systems like that person said uh david foreman they want to get rid of the industrial infrastructure and bring in this like automated transhumanist ai future kind of like a you know ready player one thing where all of us plebs are maybe like living out in trailer parks with trailers stacked onto each other plugged into this virtual reality as long as we're not producing and uh you know using any gasoline or carbon then that would probably be a fine outcome you know for humanity So, yeah, so that's all the slides that I had prepared today. And again, you know, the the belief system in this gets people that this video that I'm doing now probably isn't going to convince anyone to change their mind about the way that they believe that what they've been told is true. And, And because they're playing on this like feminine emotion as well of care, that's a it's a false care, though. It's a virtue signaling care that like, but that's my thing that I put out in front of everyone. I put the little coexist sticker on my car and I, I drive a, you know, and I'm not against like electric vehicles, but they're, the reason they're driving them is because of this pseudo false persona of how much they care about the planet and how much they're doing to change things. And I'm vegan and I'm doing this to save the planet. And again, be vegan, even do it because you think that it goes more in alignment with natural law and live according to that, that's fine, or do it because that's the way that you prefer to eat and all those things. But this is part of their agenda is to promote veganism, to promote eating less meat, because it gets you off of the idea of raising cattle, raising, you know, your own livestock to to sustain in a more sustainable way in harmony with how things can actually work on something like the biggest little farm or, you know, ways of doing uh, homesteading that make your home into a production facility instead of just a liability that's just taking from you. You can actually get back from what you're working on on your property. And, you know, you can do that in a vegan way. You can do that in a way that doesn't involve animals, but it's there's more production. There's more uh, fertility in using livestock. So that's just a fact. I mean, you can argue with that all you want. And I don't necessarily see it the same way as a lot of the people, let's say, on the One Great Work Network. I'm not a, I'm not a militant vegan, and I'm not a natural law vegan either. I don't necessarily agree that with, you know, the non-aggression principle is 100%, you know, the case 
in all times and places on the universe, and it has to do with levels of consciousness where we just draw these arbitrary numbers where lions don't follow the natural law, but humans do because they have a higher level of perceiving. I feel like that's pretty arbitrary. I feel like it's a, a limited view on how things actually work in our universe. And yes, I agree that human beings when they're, you know, living in harmony with other human beings and not being violent towards other human beings, that that's a more harmonious and sustainable way to live. And I choose to live that way as well. And I do think that puts us more in harmony with nature and its law. I just don't see that, you know, we reject, you know, animal husbandry and homesteading and permaculture design using, you know, fertility from animals is something that isn't part of the solution. Like, I really do feel that that's actually a large part of the solutions that I want to put forward in my own life and am putting forward and, uh, you know, have seen the fruits of that. And I'm not saying like, we should go out and just murder things and harm things. Like, that's not what I'm saying either. That's not, my philosophy isn't the opposite because I'm not a vegan. It doesn't mean that I think, you know, the large care, large scale, animal production is good. I think that there's a lot of stuff there that can be fixed. Again, because I'm against the green agenda and the uh, earth agenda and the climate green, you know, cult, then it's not that like, I hate the planet and I want to destroy the planet. No, I just think it's, we need to expose how this stuff is used against us, how our own fears or how our own beliefs or even our own care about the planet is used and manipulated to get us to then essentially cull ourselves is what they're trying to get you to do. And also, you know, pass, pass along misinformation about how things actually work. And, you know, there's a lot of that out there. So that's why we're doing this episode and exposing some of the behind the scenes in their own words, a lot of the quotes I put in there, because they will tell you to your face what they're doing because they don't expect that most people are going to understand or read or try to take the time to care about any of that, you know, and they're just going to go along to get along as long as they have their sports and their whatever, their uh, bread and circuses, then they're good. They don't need to, you know, but this is, if you have children and you want to have a future for those children that has any modicum of freedom, you know, then exposing this stuff and teaching your children the truth about these things is also very important. So again, that's a big part of why we're doing this here. Now, uh, let's see. So we had some clips of Al Gore screaming at the United Nations thing. I'm not sure I'm going to play that. But I do want to play something here real quick, and then we're going to get into some longer clips for intermission and then start to wind down the episode. We'll be um, this leaked, it's like a Project Veritas type video, and I'm not going to play the whole commentary from the folks at Rising, but just get the essence of this in where I, this guy's not like some high level person at CNN, and he may not even be telling 100% of the truth because maybe he doesn't have all the power to know what programming is going to be done at CNN. But it does go to the point of, you know, how they use climate and, and they obviously are some of the biggest whores of this propaganda, CNN and the in the mainstream media for pumping this stuff. But that's their marching orders because the people behind them are people like Bill Gates, people like the 
the psychopath eugenicists that run the pharmaceutical companies even and own the pharmaceutical companies are what's behind CNN and brought to you by Pfizer, right? And so, you know, the fact that he even thinks that CNN would do this is interesting. And I think he's actually more right than not. But, I, you know, again, this is sort of one of those hidden camera videos while they're having drinks. And, you know, it's not like, this is the truth. But this is an interesting clip nonetheless. And so we're going to go to that. CNN's technical director, Charlie Chester, said the media company's next focus will, quote, that they will beat to death like they did with the pandemic. Yeah, will be climate change. Let's take a look. We're going to start focusing mainly on climate um, uh, climate, like global warming and like that's going to be our next like um, I don't know like what's the word I'm looking for um, it's, it's going to be our focus like, uh, like our, our focus was to get Trump out of office right without saying it that's what it was right so our next thing is going to be for climate change awareness so that's like the next pandemic like story like that will yeah that will will beat to death but that one's got longevity you know what i mean it's not like there's a definitive ending to the pandemic or you know like it'll taper off to a point that it's you know not a problem anymore probably think it's going to take years so they'll probably be able to milk that for quite a bit hmm. i guess my immediate reaction to that video is that that's not a very good strategy like cnn is going to hemorrhage viewers even more because i mean the climate change has been an issue for years and I mean, it's been something that's being covered for years and years and years it doesn't have the the pandemic came out of nowhere right and then was a very dominating media storyline uh it trumps you know kind of sudden lurch into the political sphere and you know and and all of that as well was a different kind of story that like climate change is 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 not a new story so i don't if if they're really planning to just you know change to like all climate change news all the time i think many more people will tune out than are already tuning out but uh and you always have to take with a grain of salt you know what that's a that's another project veritas video where they you know somebody it's interviewing not the head of cnn but you know somebody who works there and agreed to go out for drinks and then was kind of you know ranting about their workplace to over drinks with someone they did not know was an undercover conservative activist so right who knows yeah yeah, I don't think it's quite the own that Project Veritas thinks it is. Um, as far as like uh, what, as far as making it new or making it something people would watch, I've always thought that you know people could report on climate change in a way that was interesting and that got people to watch. Uh, think about how much they focus on the weather and they show these extreme images. But the problem is that the reporting on climate change can't ever really go after the cor- the culprits. Because they can't expose the way that you know certain industries or pr- sponsors of the of the networks are perpetuating mm. this. Mm. That's interesting. So that would require a different kind of reporting. Yeah, I mean they do that kind of reporting sometimes. I I think it's not well. I don't know if they do it CNN or not. Um, but they you know there's good investigative reporting on climate stuff. But uh, but I don't know. It always has the a, a kind of a. I, sensational bent to not sensational because I know it it does matter and I know climate change is real and right. it's affecting our planet but the sometimes the level of I, I think personally I mean, you might disagree 
that the level of Earth is doomed, you know, there will be no life on the, this planet will be uninhabitable in 12 years or something. And then that doesn't come to pass. And then a certain amount of people, it, it, it sounds very sky is falling. Like there's a range, right, in how bad the outcomes from climate change will be from like kind of bad to really bad. And we don't know exactly where we're going to land in that. And if we do something, because there are some, I know some big, you know, climate change is the most important issue. People who are like, it's too late. We're already screwed. Nothing can be done. We're, right. you know, we're a fallen, we're a fallen people and our judgment day is upon us where it's like, okay, then, then why, why bother doing anything yeah. at all then? We can maybe put off judgment day, delay it a little bit. I would agree with you though, that there should be more, I can't believe I'm going to say this word. I hate this nuanced reporting on it though, because of the like you were like fatigue, the the sky is falling fatigue. I think you're right that a lot of people who are climate change skeptics hear something that's predicted or promised, and then it doesn't come to pe- to fruition, which is good because I'm glad we can still live and breathe the air on this planet. But I think that there needs to be better explainers about what things will look like, how we're not sure about the timeline, but these are the trends and this is something that could happen. And certainly we want to do everything to prevent that because it is scary. And these heat waves are deadly literally deadly i'm on board with that all right we'll be back with more rising right after this stay tuned all right and just real quick speaking of you know the sky is falling chicken little people let's just go to this really quick let me get the volume right here this is antonio gutierrez like head un chief guy with a sky is falling speech here for you Leaders of developed countries must commit to reaching net zero as close as possible to 2040. The climate time bomb is ticking. But today's IPCC report is a how-to guide to defuse the climate time bomb. It is a survival guide for humanity. As it shows, the 1.5 degree limit is achievable, but it will take a quantum leap in climate action. This report is a clarion call to massively fast-track climate efforts by every country and every sector and on every time frame. In short, our world needs climate action on all fronts, everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, yeah, don't, don't try to, you know, make, make anyone panic there, buddy. The climate the ticking is time bomb. Whoa, Lex, whoa, Lex. There was the operating system Lex just got into my computer somehow. Lex Friedman Android got in. Um, but yeah, uh, and even the people on Rising are like, well, you know, and we know it's super important. So like they don't want to sound too off-putting, you know, to the people that they know are super indoctrinated. And I just wonder if that guy at CNN, you know, is getting this in emails and so we're going to be talking about climate we're going to be talking about the climate a lot and what the, the head honchos at CNN know that what they really mean is we're going to keep filling the air with propaganda in order to mentally control people. So we're controlling the climate, as I've been saying, right? The climate is a generalized term for them continuing their control. And the, the whores at CNN in the media just spit out whatever they're told to say. They're not like in on the programming for what's happening in CNN. But the people at the top of CNN know the general idea is to keep pushing that you're bad, you're destroying the planet, 
Um, you're making people sick, you're spreading around viruses. So we just kind of need you to stop uh, doing things and stay locked in your home and stop having children. And, you know, as you kind of get old, if you just kind of fade away instead of like growing too old, so it doesn't cost too much money, like we're thinking about ways to make your life a little shorter, if that's okay. That's the general idea that they're trying to get across to control your climate is to control your mind to tell you that you're bad, you're scum, you're not doing good for the planet, you're harming animals, don't you care about little poor animals, you're hurting them, you're killing the polar bears, right? That's the main message. And they don't say it like I'm saying it. Obviously, they say, well, it's we're working on sustainability for the future and greening the planet in an ecological crisis that we need to sit you know that's the way that they're phrasing it and they're with their lipstick and their nice colors and everything's super important meanwhile it's just fear 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 bad you're bad fear you're bad fear that's all they ever do is and then the wars and the banks and oh the catastrophe in the markets and oh the planet is falling apart and oh putin is gonna you know and some of that stuff might actually be real but they are the masters at playing on it obviously okay so another person in the media that i'm going to get into here not promoting the platform not promoting this person even necessarily but he did have an interesting piece that needs to be covered here, I think, uh, Tucker. And recently he was let go of Fox News. Who knows exactly the real story there? You know, I think he's trying to, it seems to be being painted as well. He was just too off the cuff and such a cowboy and a maverick that they had to let him go. I wonder about that. You know, I wonder how much more to the story is really going on here. And I see Tucker sort of as one of these gray figures, again, kind of like Musk. Like, I'm not really sure 100%. But if he says something interesting, I'm not going to be like, I disagree with that because of who it is, you know? Like, if it's, even if it's Tucker Carlson, someone who I think has been on CNN and MSNBC and then Fox, like, it might have just been MSNBC. But I think I even remember he was on CNN at one point and then moved to Fox. And now he's probably going to go do his own thing. But I want to cover a clip from him. Uh, going into covering uh, exposing the climate change hoax for what it is and speaking in a way that I think it would be nice if more people in the media would speak. So, you know, even the show like I'm doing today wouldn't be necessary, but I think it is. I think it, we still need to get this message across to people so they can see through the propaganda, which was the point of doing this episode today in The Creature of Control. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Again, uh, just following my blog on WordPress and signing up your email there is probably one of the better ways to keep in touch as you know I get kicked off of YouTube or Discord or whatever like I can still let you know about the content that I'm producing at tylerblair.com through email typically and then you know subscribe for one of the Spotify or get on Odyssey and start using that application these are the ways that you can stay in touch with the work that we're doing here but we're going to go into an intermission of sorts with a clip from Tucker talking about the climate change hoax. It's about a 13-minute clip. And then I want to play the intro into a documentary that me and my wife watched last night called Franken Skies. Now, I've been following, you know, Dane Wigington and been watching Geoengineering Watch and What on Earth Are They Spraying and all kinds of research myself in documentary watching that I've done on geoengineering. But the Franken Skies documentary I would recommend, and I thought it was very well done. It was very well put together. And I thought the intro was kind of a 
bio-cywar type, like, when people, because the whole point of bio-cywar is people were like, I mean, why I started down the path of producing it was I would get people that would say, they wouldn't do that. They would never do those things. And uh, it's like, well, what? They've been doing this stuff the whole time. They've been doing this stuff and they will continue to do it. So it's just, it's really just a stupid, naive thing to say, well, they wouldn't do that. And I think Frankenskies, the intro was like, great, you know, we've already pointed to the fact that they've already done all these things. And so now, you know, it shouldn't be so hard for you to accept that it's happening now, you know, and that uh, documentary, the full thing, I think is worth watching, even if you're familiar with that sort of content. And then I'll come back and uh, I'll continue on with the episode and uh, then finish up some things and we'll be out of here today. But I'm going to go ahead and get into these clips. So again, we'll start with the Tucker and then moving into Frankenskies. And thank you for watching the Climate of Control today. Engineering Consciousness here. Another TylerBloyer.com live stream. And I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight has been a tough couple of years for the experts when it comes to big public policy questions, complicated adult stuff like war and disease and the economy, really the only things that matter. The assumption in Washington has for many years been that you should not worry about it. Don't sweat the details. That's not your role as a citizen and as a voter. We don't have that kind of democracy, the kind where you might actually participate No, your job is to trust the experts and their conclusions and then obey them. But COVID kind of blew that up. If there's one thing we learned from that disaster, it's that public policy experts very often had no clue what they were talking about. Your hippie aunt in Mendocino County knew a lot more about how to beat a flu virus than your average virologist on CNN. Your aunt would tell you to go outside, get some exercise, some sunlight, some fresh air, stop eating junk food, turn off your computer once in a while, spend time with other people. Be healthy. That advice worked. The experts, by contrast, made you get the vaccine, and that did not work. So by March of 2021, people are starting to figure this out. Anyone who was paying attention in America understood that the experts, many of them, were full of it. And it was exactly at that moment that The Atlantic magazine in Washington published a piece pushing back against the growing consensus. That story was entitled, Following Your Gut Isn't the Right Way to Go. It's hard to think of a funnier headline, really, mostly because it's so spectacularly absurd. You should always trust your gut. Obviously, it is the one thing that will never betray you. But the Atlantic magazine wanted you to know that your natural instincts are, in fact, worthless. The experts had a rough year, the magazine conceded, but we still have to trust them. Right. Actually, we don't have to trust them. And on big questions of public policy, we absolutely should not trust them. It's a democracy. But Washington is continuing to demand that we do trust them. Why? There may be a reason. Maybe COVID isn't the only big project they have in mind for us, a project the experts will justify at MSNBC. And indeed, it's not. There is the climate change agenda. And the climate change agenda is the single most ambitious effort to remake human civilization in all recorded history. And it's coming. In fact, it's already in progress. The only reason that millions and millions of Americans aren't protesting in the streets tonight over this effort to completely overturn their lives is that on some level, many people still do trust the experts, at least on climate change. But should they? We were pondering that this morning when we saw that the world's most famous climate change expert, Greta Thunberg of Sweden, 
just deleted a tweet she wrote in June of 2018. Here it is, quote, a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. Scientist, of course, was a Harvard professor, so obviously that prediction was going to be correct. But here we are still driving our Silverados and still alive, and some of us are still happy. So it does make you wonder if Greta Thunberg, the greatly revered Greta Thunberg, a perennial finalist for the Nobel Peace Prize, could have gotten that so wrong. What else have the climate experts gotten wrong? And how long have they been getting it wrong? Well, fortunately, the Competitive Enterprise Institute has done the research on this, and it turns out these people have been very wrong for a very long time. 1969, the New York Times was printing climate hysteria from an expert called Paul Ehrlich, quote, we must realize that unless we are extremely lucky, everybody will disappear in a cloud of blue steam in 20 years. That was Paul Ehrlich in 1969. Well, here it is, 2023, and that same Paul Ehrlich, who's now 90 and still publishing books and still being cited on 60 Minutes, is <laughs> still telling us that we're all going to die. Now, clearly, Paul Ehrlich had some sort of traumatic childhood. He's been inflicting it on the rest of us for over 50 years. And for 50 years... His fellow experts have taken him seriously. Now, back then, of course, climate change didn't mean global warming. It meant a new ice age. In 1970, the Boston Globe reported, quote, scientists predict a new ice age by 21st century. According to the Globe, air pollution may obliterate the sun and cause a new ice age in the first third of the next century. An ice age. In 1972, Brown University's science department sent a letter to the White House explaining that they had deep concern with the future of the world because this ice age falls within the rank of processes which produced the last ice age. Two years later, 1974, The Guardian reported that, quote, spy satellites show new, new ice age is coming fast. And the report cited, just for moral weight, analysis carried out at Columbia University. Then, a few years later, 1977, the actor Leonard Nimoy was not a science expert technically, but played one at one point on television, shot this video. We are unprepared for the next advance. The result could be hunger and death on a scale unprecedented in all of history. What scientists are telling us now is that the threat of an ice age is not as remote as they once thought. During the lifetime of our grandchildren, Arctic cold and perpetual snow could turn most of the inhabitable portions of our planet into a polar desert. <laughs> Hunger and death on an unprecedented scale. Someone else with the tragic childhood he inflicted on the rest of us. But by the early 1980s, when the ice didn't arrive, well, the experts decided the problem wasn't too much cold. It was too much heat. It was global warming. In 1989, the Associated Press ran this story, quote, a senior UN environmental official says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if global warming trend is not reversed by the year 2000. In other words, 23 years ago. That same year, 1989, a climate expert called Jim Hansen met with a reporter from Salon. According to Salon, Hansen explained that within 20 or 30 years, quote, the West Side Highway, which runs along the Hudson River in Manhattan, will be underwater. Underwater. We checked tonight, and actually it's congested, but still a road. Then in March of 2000, the Independent newspaper ran a piece explaining that snowfalls are now just a thing of the past. And we're quoting, snow is starting to disappear from our lives. 
The piece quoted a climate expert claiming that, quote, children just aren't going to know what snow is. No idea what snow is. It'll be a relic, not of the ice age, but of the great inferno of global warming. Then, in 2004, amazingly, civilization still existed, the Guardian predicted that, quote, major European cities will be sunk beneath rising seas as Britain is plunged into a Siberian climate by 2020, which is a little confusing because global warming doesn't typically produce a Siberian climate. And it was around this time that they decided, hey, we don't want to get pinned down on the details. Will it be too hot? Will it be too cold? We don't want to say. Something bad's going to happen, so we're going to call it climate change. And that paved the way for Al Gore, who in 2006 released his famous documentary, An Inconvenient Truth. And the beauty of An Inconvenient Truth is, now that it's been, well, inconveniently, more than 15 years since it came out, we can fact-check its claims. Here's the trailer. If you look at the 10 hottest years ever measured, they've all occurred in the last 14 years. And the hottest of all was 2005. This is Patagonia 75 years ago and the same glacier today. This is Mount Kilimanjaro 30 years ago and last year. Within the decade, there will be no more snows of Kilimanjaro. Al Gore also said there would be no ice in the Arctic. He quoted researchers, climate researchers, experts, and he explained that, quote, the North Pole will be ice free in the summer by 2013 because of man-made global warming. Now, it does take a certain level of chutzpah to make a prediction that precise. And Al Gore made many of them and all of them turned out to be wrong. And for a normal person, that would be a cue. Maybe it's time to retire. I'm rich on Google stock. Maybe I could just stop talking because... Of course, I've been disgraced by my own foolish predictions. But no, he kept going. And he was helped in that by the entire news media. It makes you wonder why. News organizations exist to bring you the news, to assess whether things are true or not. But if all of them collude to hide lying, you have to ask, is there something else going on here? We'll let you decide. We do know that by 2006, NBC News informed the world that, quote, a leading U.S. climate researcher says the world has a 10-year window till 2016, a window of opportunity to take decisive action on global warming and avert catastrophe. Well, of course, by their predicted date, Donald Trump became president, but that's not what they were predicting. In 2008, the Associated Press reported that according to a top NASA scientist, in five to 10 years, the Arctic will be free of sea ice in the summer. That didn't happen, but of course no one was ever held to account for bad predictions, so they just kept going. John Kerry, now our climate czar, cited that very same science in 2009. Watch. You have sea ice, which is melting at a rate that the Arctic Ocean now increasingly is exposed. In five years, scientists predict we will have the first ice-free Arctic summer. (laughs) What's hilarious is this is a guy who's never had a job. He's only been in politics. He's never done one useful thing. He's not a scientist. He, he, he's never done research. He's actually not an expert, but because he's way more aggressive than you are and because he has access to the media, which amplify his claims, he poses as one. Now, what's strange about the prediction you just heard is that John Kerry's prediction contradicts Barack Obama's famous climate prediction from a year earlier. You probably remember this. 
Because if we are willing to work for it and fight for it and believe in it, then I am absolutely certain that generations from now, we will be able to look back and tell our children that this was the moment when we began to provide care for the sick and good jobs to the jobless. This was the moment when the rise of the oceans began to slow and our planet began to heal. Sad to watch that. All the cheering people, they seem so sincere. He's going to save the world. He can control the weather. He's Jesus. But in fact, the global healing Obama promised at the beginning of his first term never came. And neither did the global destruction. Here, by the way, is Neil deGrasse Tyson, another great predictor of things, saying that by 2014, the Statue of Liberty will soon be underwater. You know, you know what you know what I tell people? This really, this get this wakes them into. Here in the, in the New York metropolitan area, I say, you know, if we lose the ice caps, you know how high the water will be? I say, oh, maybe a couple of feet. No, it would come up to the Statue of Liberty's elbow, the one that's holding <laughs> <laughs> the Declaration of Independence. That's where the water line will be. That man's a scientist. And of course, climate does change. It has always changed. In fact, the landscape we live in now is formed by climate change. The glaciers are a product of climate change. The climate is changing now. It never stops changing. That is a process that we didn't cause and that we can't control to any great degree. We'll never be able to control. Um, And there are upsides to it and downsides to it. By the way, if the earth is indeed getting warmer and it seems to be, well, then that will make more arable land in places like Canada and Northern Europe. So like everything in this life, in the temporal world, it's a mixed blessing. But you only hear the downsides, which tells you a lot. It tells you this is not science, it's manipulation. These aren't reports from the experts. These are threats. Here's Joe Biden. That's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. The latest climate report, nothing less than, quote, code red for humanity. Let me say it again. Code red for humanity. Code red for humanity. Of course, he never explains what that means. You're going to have to check your book of science to find out. Of course, in the details, they don't offer as many details now because they've all been wrong. But to the extent they do, they are provably wrong over time. So the question is, why are we still being bullied by these people? It has nothing to do with saving the earth. They hate the earth. They hate nature. It's about controlling us, and maybe we should recognize that. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens, stories that are changing the world and changing your life. From Tucker Carlson tonight. I'd never seen a sky that color. Yellowy, black, greeny, purple. It was uncanny. Oh, it was a day and a night that we should never, ever forget. I couldn't believe that this was happening. First the sky, and then this horrible smell. Really sulfurous. Thunder and lightning and what was horrible. 
we're in very great danger uh, from the pollution that's coming down over us. And we've been led astray by the military-industrial dangerous chemicals over us from Is planes. the government experimenting with our weather? Question at the heart of a phenomenon called chemtrails. Chem now getting widespread attention. Millions of tons of toxic poisons released by our planes. As part of the government plot to affect climate the government is up there in airplanes spraying all kinds of chemicals to change or manipulate the weather, leaving what you see there, and they call that a chemtrail. Geoengineering. They say it puts poison in the sky. High levels of these chemicals in our rain and soil. Using planes to spray chemicals into the atmosphere to manipulate And that's why health department records show a sharp increase in barium and aluminum in California's water supply. We shall propose further cooperative efforts between all the nations in weather prediction and eventually in weather control. The Army's need to know more and more about weather that surrounds this planet is a vital part of the expanded research program of atomic weapons. We all talk about the weather. The Army is doing something about the weather. by taking a tiny piece of dry ice such as this and scratching it so a few tiny fragments fall into the supercooled cloud, long streaks develop. The particles grow very fast. They grow about a billion fold in volume in a few seconds. Many millions of snow crystals form and we get the same effect as is produced by dry ice. Dry ice is, is not particularly important as far as the fact that it's CO2 but it's primarily important because it's colder than minus 35 degrees centigrade. This is a picture of the first cloud that we seeded back last November, flying in a small Fairchild plane and putting dry ice from a small dispenser in the bottom of the plane, and within minutes saw long streamers of snow falling from the base of the cloud and evaporating into the drier air below. Under many conditions, of course, full-fledged snowstorms will be produced in this way. Nature at last has permitted to do a little something about the weather. Using Schaefer-Langmuir techniques, the Army Signal Corps and Office of Naval Research began conducting many of these experiments. In 1947, Project Cirrus expanded to test the cloud seeding on a hurricane traveling eastbound 350 miles off the coast of Jacksonville, Florida. They dropped 80 pounds of dry ice into the raging storm only to realize that the hurricane suddenly changed direction and began traveling back towards the United States. Savannah, Georgia was hit by record-breaking winds of up to 85 miles per hour. More than 1,500 people were left homeless and at least two people died. Total damage was reported in the millions of dollars and the project and its participants were blamed for what happened. On the night 
to the 15th of August 1952, the worst flood in British history swept through the tiny seaside village of Lynmouth. 90 million tons of water devastated the area, killing 35 people and leaving over 400 homeless. 40,000 tons of boulders were dragged off the moors, destroying houses and cars. Porters spoke to squadron leader Len Otley. He confirmed that he worked on Project or Operation Cumulus, which was also referred to as Operation Witch Doctor. What's more, in mid-August 1952, Alan Yates, a lecturer at Cranfield School of Aeronautics at the time, was asked to take part in cloud seeding experiments. According to Yates, the artificial rain fell over Lynmouth and washed the village into the sea. Newly declassified documents prove that Project Cumulus was indeed going on the day of the flood that year. Project Skyfire, a U.S. forestry research operation concerned with the study of lightning in all of its manifestations. Project Skyfire is aimed at lightning fires in western forest. In detail, uh, the manner in which your uh, work involves you in the dispersion of clouds, which uh, happen to have some effect on, or rather, bring about thunderstorms or what have you. Could you tell our audience something about that type of work? Laurie, we're conducting experiments in cloud seeding, aimed at determining whether or not uh, weather modification techniques might possibly prevent lightning fires. Uh, we carry this on work on uh, by seeding clouds with silver iodide nuclei. We disperse silver iodide from specially developed generators located either on the ground or on aircraft. Our experience has been that we can do the best job uh, through aircraft seeding. Again, man looks to his own efforts to increase the flow of water. Since the 1946 experiments of Dr. Vincent Schaefer, we have known that some clouds can be modified through seeding to yield additional precipitation. In 1961, Congress directed the Bureau of Reclamation to begin a long-range study of cloud seeding with the aim of eventually augmenting the nation's supply of water. The program, called Project Skywater, continues at many sites throughout the United States. Eventually, if the research program proves successful, the methods learned will become part of our nation's integrated water resources program. In 19... Okay, so they're going to go on there and explain all kinds of situations where they're doing cloud seeding up to and including Agent Orange spraying in Vietnam. And that's just for the people that are like, well, they would never spray anything in the atmosphere. And it's like, that. well, you know, there's plenty that's not the right place to start obviously with your argument and if you really want to go there but you know i've you know i've been in situations with people where even if you give them the evidence and say well here here's the evidence then it's not necessarily about the evidence you know it's not about the truth it's not about the facts this freaking microphone arm is killing me today it's not about the facts and the truth it's about their already preconceived notions their presuppositions that they've already chosen that they're going to accept and stick with and not change so they're not willing to to inject or take in new information into their paradigm because it would throw off their currently existing worldview 
which to some people even seems like a threat to their very existence because they feel like their worldview is more aligned and, and uh, you know, in perceived as an okay worldview to hold by the crowd is what they're really trying to do. And that's why, you know, the fawning and the faking of uh, how concerned about the planet you really are and, you know, you're going to take these actions. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't clean up the planet, but there is the mask and the the fake, you know, virtue that people will put forward with these sort of things. And, uh, you know, not willing to accept new information in a lot of the time is more coming up against that thing and not like, oh, if I just had the facts in front of this person, they'd be able to have it, you know. So that's why a lot of people in the truth or even, you know, in any sort of alternative research communities get frustrated because they might have this con, this, uh, they have this expectation that people will change when they hear the new information that they've found. And that is not how people change. And so, you know, the work I do is to, to have an, another voice out there, you know, providing the facts, providing the information and putting it out in a way that when people are ready, they can go through the information or not. And it may affect their worldview if they're open to exploring and seeing things in a different way. And if they're not, then the information I put out probably isn't going to help those people. And so, you know, that's part of the paradox. It's not really a contradiction. It's just how it is. It's just, it's not necessarily human nature, but in the dumbed down state that people are in, in the poisoned, beaten, slave mentality, Stockholm syndrome mentality that people are in, that's, you know, where they're at. So we have to, we have to learn to meet them where they're at and try to build stronger bridges and uh, hopefully create what I'm trying to do here, interesting pieces of content that can be consumed and keep it in a short enough timeline. So I had to, I don't really want to get into creating f three plus hour episodes. I feel like three hours is the most I want to really uh, demand of anyone's attention at any one week that I produce the episode. But so, I, but I would recommend checking out the whole Frankenskies documentary. I thought it was a good one, and uh, there's other information out there like that. Like from the exit clip today, I'm going to have Dane Wigington explain Stockholm syndrome. But I just want to get into uh, John Brennan, uh, the CIA director, speaking at the Council on Foreign Relations. John O'Brennan, uh, a CIA official, was the director sp speaking at the CFR, you know, another one of these think tanks that have been put forward sort of as the face of this thing that we've been talking about with Fabian socialism, with moving towards uh, one world order, this sort of thing, one world government. Um, the faces of that one of them is the cfr and here you got the cia director speaking to the cfr about something that he's interested in and when they're telling you they're interested in it what it means is they've already been researching and developing this technology and already deploying it and now they're going to kind of start telling you about it and this was again many years ago this is not a recent clip but and something that people will brush off as oh that's not you know he's just saying that he's interested in it but just the, knowing the way that their propaganda and manipulation works, this is more of an admission uh, of what's already going on and uh, being said in a way that, you know, it might be something interesting to try. So let's go to this uh, clip here, if I can get the right button. There we go. Okay. 
Uh, no volume. So let's uh, fix that. As former Defense Secretary and CIA Director Bob Gates is fond of saying, when intelligence officers smell flowers, they look around for a coffin. That remains a pretty good depiction of our intelligence mindset. <laughs> One example, again taking a page from the biotech and life sciences sectors, is how a wide range of breakthroughs that potentially could ex extend life expectancy, such as new methods of fighting cancer and a greater understanding of the aging process, could reinforce the trend toward older populations in advanced nations. Some of the world's leading economies, and even mm -hmm. the lesser economies, could face even stronger headwinds from having significantly larger proportions of retired people and older people relative to working age citizens. Here we go. Another example is the array of technologies, often referred to collectively as geoengineering, that potentially could help reverse the warming effects of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, or SAI, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat in much the same way that volcanic eruptions do. An SAI program could limit global temperature increases, reducing some risks associated with higher temperatures and providing the world economy additional time to transition from fossil fuels. This process is also relatively inexpensive. The National Research Council estimates that a fully deployed SAI program would cost about $10 billion yearly. As promising as it may be, moving forward on SAI would also raise a number of challenges for our government and for the international community. On the technical side, greenhouse gas emission reductions would still have to accompany SAI to address other climate change effects, such as ocean acidification, because SAI alone would not remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. On the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter weather patterns and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. Others might seize on SAI's benefits and back away from their commitment to carbon dioxide reductions. And as with other breakthrough technologies, global norms and standards are lacking to guide the deployment and implementation of SAI and other geoengineering initiatives. Now, I could yeah. go on and on and on and on about the things that fascinate me, but rather than talk about them, I thought I'd stop here and start the Yeah, exactly. So they're, doing, they're bringing it forward because they have to start getting in the legal infrastructure and stuff before this starts getting too out of hand. And so they're basically letting you know of what's going on, um, but not... Uh, sorry, i got to fix the volume. I'm a little blown out there. Uh, the health effects are never questioned. You know, it's all about re reducing the greenhouse gases, you know, fix saving the planet, but it's not about what the, what they're spraying on you does to you and any of that. Right. So the, the narrative is they're trying to save you. They're going to save you from, uh, the evil planet that's warming and we're, we're the ones causing it. So we're bad and we can fix the greenhouse gases by spraying, uh, you know, in, in the upper atmosphere stratospheric aerosol injection and uh it's funny because just the, just as i was kind of preparing for this episode i came across this like debunking article it was like fact check uh this is from usa today no the un is not using geoengineering and chemtrails to change the climate and sometimes you just have to watch like what the words are they're using 
because they might be like doing stratospheric aerosol injection or solar radiation management, SRM. Uh, but not they don't call it geoengineering, right? It's kind of like the gain of function thing. Like they'll change the definitions around on what they're actually doing. Oh, we're not doing gain of function. And then like they just like change the definition of gain of function. Um, we never funded any of that. And same with this, that they say, well, chemtrails, well, we're not doing chemtrails. I mean, that's not what we're doing at all. We're not doing chemtrails. And, uh, you know, it says it's out of context. It's not true, blah, blah, blah. Even though we've shown you like that, that there's plenty of these programs that are in operation and going on, like we can go and point all that out. But the bottom of it actually says, um, they're doing it locally, uh, it's not, it's called a uh, cloud seeding. It's not chemtrails. <laughs> oh, where did I, let's see here. So some of the posts also incorrectly equate geoengineering with weather manipulation. A localized form of weather manipulation called cloud seeding is possible and utilizes aerosolized silver iodide to condense water in clouds and induced precipitation at a small scale see so oh well no it's not geoengineering they're just doing localized cloud seeding yeah if you go look out in the sky and you tell me that that's what's happening so if you're if you're one of these people that's like well the spraying doesn't exist spraying doesn't exist and there's this this article like oh well, i saw an article that said that they're not spraying chemtrails well yeah that that this is how that they're going to roll out you know, the cover of what they're doing. But I mean, you can just go look outside and see. And I know that that's not like the best evidence ever to go look outside. But if you can go through, you know, some of Dane Wigington's information at Geoengineering Watch and watch the Frankenskies video and maybe even watch some of the episodes I did on BioSciWar, bio uh, Aerosolized Innovation, where the Army... Uh, there's, there's one called uh, Operation... What was it called? Operation Skyfog or something like that. It was uh, where they sprayed bacteria out of ships off the coast of San Francisco and uh, basically did like a bacterial uh, spray on top of people that to see what the effects would be. And it actually ended up harming some people. And... Uh, you know, so they, they did that as an experiment on the people that's well documented. It's not, you know, unknown. Operation Sea Spray is what it was. I was looking over here and then it popped in. Uh, let's see, do I have that in the notes of this episode? Sea Spray. This might, Maybe it's not in the aerosolized innovations episode. But yeah, there's. Uh, plenty of evidence of that. But if you're one of these people like, well, that doesn't exist. It's not true. Really? Like your head is in the sand. You're you're just attempting to not accept reality so that you can protect some kind of preconceived notion of how you already see the world. Or you're living in fear and having a fear response to this information. And it's easier to just call people that do accept this as batshit crazy lunatics and that's another layer of the whole psychological warfare on people not wanting to 
talk about this or wake up to it because, well, what what are people going to think if I say that? And what are people going to think of me if they don't, you know, and it's more fear again. Um, but really, you're a fucking coward if you still don't understand this and still are running away from this information. And the only way that we're ever going to be able to even get close to addressing anything like this with them spraying chemicals on us that are likely harmful to our health and likely have very further nefarious reasons that they're doing it than just, oh, they're trying to change the weather, trying to remember the climate we've been talking about that they really want to control here is you. So what is it really about? You know, what are they really doing is the real question. But just not even accepting that it exists is never going to ever solve anything because you're running away from something. And when you have, you know, the small dragon situation in your basement and you just ignore the dragon like it's not there, uh, eventually that dragon one day becomes a, a very large, scary dragon. And you can't, at that point, you can do nothing about it. So recognizing it and addressing it now is the way to go, you know, is what I'm trying to say there. But the main reason and the big answer to why is, you know, what we've been discussing is the fear control, the manipulation, the mind control, the play on your psychology about, you know, your care and uh, your sympathy towards the planet and animals and other human beings in the future, you know, these are all legitimate concerns, um, but they're playing on that. And the other really big part of this, though, is sort of is way more in depth psychology and leads to the discussion that we're going to have now on Stockholm syndrome. And that is really why people won't wake up to the information, why they want to put their head in the sand and hide away and pretend that it's not true. And it's because of the phenomenon that is described as Stockholm syndrome, where you realize that there's an oppressor, you realize that the enemy is so vast and overpowering and large scale that instead of, you know, attempt to take on the enemy or to evade the enemy even or to not play into the enemy's hand, you become, you know, sort of a fan of the enemy or in love with the enemy even as, you know, there are cases that show in the case of uh, Stockholm Syndrome, what it's described as that, where the victim, instead of, you know, taking on a counter role to the oppressor actually, you know, starts to play into the oppressor and starts to feed on, well, not feed on, but in a way, protect themselves by giving the oppressor what they want, even so much as like playing along with the game, you know, the psychological game or accepting things that aren't true, you know, two plus two equals five situation. Or even like I, me and Cassandra talk about a lot with the, we, we have a cat that basically like adopted itself into our family and it's an outside cat. It never comes inside, but it's been very smart, the cat on how it goes about treating us and being nice to us and things. Cause it knows it's also going to get what it wants from us. You know what I mean? Um, and in a way the cat is sort of manipulating us <laughs> in that way because you know, we didn't really want a cat. It wasn't something that we were seeking. And, and it, but it was, you know, playing into our, our, you know, thing about, oh, this cute little animal and we can't let it just be outside here in the cold. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's purely the cat's intention or something, but, you know, in a way with Stockholm syndrome, it's that, but, uh, you know, obviously not to do with a cat. And in this case, if the enemy is so 
overwhelmingly powerful, such as some body that represents the United Nations or covert operations that they're doing. And it does seem like that's what's going on. Like maybe, maybe there was, maybe the government, you know, and I, I, I understand that the government was involved in aspects of the operation of 9-11, but the, um, you know, and so, but if you're like, maybe the government is, you know, involved in, in these things, then instead of like, I'm going to take that on, or I'm going to, you wouldn't want to do that. Cause then it would be like, well, all these people have to be in on it. Right. The same p thing that people say when they're trying to refute this sort of information is like, well, then everyone would have to be in on it. Right. The silly things like that, that people say, just like throw it out that it can't be true. And that's sort of admitting in a way they're admitting that they understand that there could be a larger conspiracy, but they don't want to have to do the work to try to understand that. Right. And so again, diving into rabbit holes and going into these things all the time, isn't really the solution and getting caught on the fear porn of, you know, the conspiracy or even like Patriot mythology and my natural citizenship and my sovereign movement and, those can all be giant pitfalls and rabbit holes and sort of getting sucked into another version of fear porn. But in order to understand the psychology of this, I'm going to go back to a clip that I played in 2016-ish uh, in episode four of The Creature of Control. There's a s s clip in there from Dane Wigington, who I've been discussing today, who's from ge geoengineeringwatch.org. And he's been involved in trying to expose what's going on with the, you know, geoengineering now for a long time. And but in this case, you know, there is footage in this clip of uh, spraying in the skies and stuff. But he's talking about why he's come to understand why people run away from the information. And it's because of the Stockholm syndrome. So I'm going to get into that. And then I'm going to come back and do a small outro. We have some music to play out. And then that's going to be it for today. So this is a bit of a longer clip, um, but I am going to get it into the end of the episode here. And I, again, appreciate everyone for riding along today. Um, update on my office situation really quick. I have the uh, baby chicks that in the last two episodes of this series uh, were back here behind me. They're doing just fine. They've been put into the Rubbermaid bin that's out here on the other side of this door. I have a giant, huge, like, I don't know how many gallon r Rubbermaid bin, but it's it's like Chicken City in there for them. They love it. So they are doing great. They've just been moved out there. That <laughs> They were making a giant mess in here with their stuff, and it was just too much noise on calls. And I'm, uh, you know, trying to be in my office, and I got these, like, chickens that are now getting very rambunctious and ready to go outside so they're getting pretty good thick feathers on and that that point they'll be able to join the rest of the flock and uh i have a camera out there on the rest of my flock that i'll bring into the stream sometime i do live stream that on alt eats my cassandra's website sometimes on her youtube channel we live stream the chickens you know um, one of the other live streams that I operate and maintain over here. Uh, but anyway, let's get into this clip from Dane, and then I'll I'll uh, come back and wrap up the episode. So thanks for hanging in there today, folks, and we'll see you just in a bit.
in regard to all this bad news and those who would run for cover and say it's all nonsense, I don't want to hear as they're covering their eyes and their ears and, and pretending it'll all go away. Stockholm Syndrome. Many don't know what Stockholm Syndrome is and pseudo-patriotism because these two go together. There's an excellent report here. I want to read through it quickly because I have a lot of ground to cover still. And it gives the listener an idea on what Stockholm Syndrome is and how it applies to populations, especially the U.S. population in, in many regards. A government has the power. This is, this is by... Uh, a report by Harriet Elliott, by the way. My thanks to him. It's an excellent report. A government has the power in most cases to enslave us at a moment's notice for a war we may not support and to silence anyone who speaks ill of its military plans. It forces us to send our children to school whether or not we approve of it. It forbids us from agreeing freely with an employer to work for less than a minimum wage. It tells us what we may and what we may not buy, sell, eat, drink, watch, smoke, drive, and consent to. Most concerning, it demands up to 40% of the money we make to fuel these acts of coercion and has the power to incarcerate and fine us if we refuse to pay up. One would perhaps expect, given we have come to value freedom and individuality, liberty, over the last century or so, that people would loathe the state, yet, to the contrary, any effort to shrink its size or scope is met with indignation. It's hardly surprising that within the structure of the state, individuals seek to maximize their own political and economic interests. A lot of selfishness. That's how we got in this dark corner again. Report continues. Unfortunate though the results may be for the bankers and energy companies of this world, it is curious, however, that people not only support the process of the state, but also the entity of it. There appears to be something deeply embedded in the psyche that may, many would label, quote, patriotism. However, it is difficult to tell why somebody would feel patriotic to a state which has, does, and will deny its citizens vast swaths of rights, which persistently evades transparency measures, and which bullies people into paying for its services. Patriotism becomes even harder to explain when we consider just how arbitrary nationality is. We have no choice as to when or where we were born, so it seems odd that we should exhibit specific loyalty to the particular government within those borders we came to, to be in, especially when this loyalty also compromises actively fighting people from other nations. There is one particular psychological condition, however, which sheds some light on this quandary. It is named after a 1973 incident in which four hostages repeatedly sympathized with and sought to protect two bank robbers who had held them for nearly a week. In the last 40 years, a handful of more examples of the Stockholm Syndrome, that's what we're talking about here, Stockholm Syndrome, have occurred, each involving victims showing compassion to criminals, often in improbable and shocking circumstances. Psychological precedent would suggest that four conditions are required for Stockholm Syndrome to develop. First, the criminal must pose a serious threat to the victim. Second, the victim must be isolated from outside influences. Third, the victim must feel completely unable to escape his captivity or to defend himself. Fourth, the victim must feel that some compassion has been shown. This does not entail a bank robber offering 
burgers and cookies to a hostage, but simply means that the captors have not been as aggressive as they theoretically could have been. While Stockholm Syndrome is hard to pin down, owing to the panic of most situations in which it occurs and the rarity and range of its appearances, these four conditions remain fairly stable. The first three are necessary to trigger the primal response. Again, that's important to consider. It's a primal defense mechanism, Stockholm Syndrome, to which the phenomenon has been attributed. Victims must be powerless, at the mercy of an all-powerful assailant and far away from others who can help. The fourth condition causes humans instinctively to believe that the otherwise bizarre behavior of capitulation, respect, and sympathy is the utility-maximizing action to follow. Stockholm Syndrome seems to be a long-forgotten evolutionary response to large-scale overpowering threats Think about that. Stockholm Syndrome seems to be a long-forgotten evolutionary response to large-scale overpowering threats, a primitive defense mechanism. This is epidemic in our society, the denial of what's happening around us, no matter how obvious it is, no matter how threatening, no matter how dark the horizon, we have this primitive defense mechanism going off in people. Continuing, let us therefore try to link the four defining traits of Stockholm Syndrome to the situation of a citizen within a modern state. First, we must establish that the aggressor poses a threat to its victims. This is, in fact, precisely how the government functions. Every violation of the law is met with a series of powerful responses, up to and including life imprisonment. Indeed, if no overwhelming threat existed to citizens, they would have no incentive to obey laws. Second, We must show that the victims are disconnected from the outside world. In the context of government coercion, outside influences most accurately means people from other countries. However, it then becomes obvious why these outside influences fail to hold back Stockholm Syndrome. They are all also under the power of an oppressive state. This is uniformly true around the globe. Given that hostages exhibit Stockholm Syndrome... Even alongside other hostages, it follows that this sort of external contact has no impact on the condition. Third, we have to show that citizens are unable to escape their captivity or to defend themselves against the force of the state. While constitutionalists like to protect the Second Amendment rights for fear of totalitarianism, it is reasonably self-evident that no individual has any hope of defending himself from a modern government. No denying that fact. This is arguably most true in the U.S., whose military spends more than every single other military in the world combined. I think it's the top 10 militaries is, the, is what they're referring to here, but that's, imagine that. We spend more than the next 10 countries combined. Escaping to another country means nothing when the country is also an oppressor. And in regard to this, the, those that would de- defend the Second Amendment... I want to weave this into the Hammond event that just happened. I know some people were killed. And I, I hope if, if such a protest occurs again in the future, I, I think it's tragic that there were mortalities in that event, but I hope people who protest leave your guns at home. Do not bring your guns. That is exactly what those in power want you to do. Don't buy into that. Leave your weapons at home. They have no place in such a protest as that. 
and I hope we can avoid such an outcome in the future. And it would have gone much better had weapons not been brought to that protest. I want to continue with this report on Stockholm Syndrome and the, the epidemic it is with American populations and populations around the globe. Having plausibly satisfied these three burdens, our only task remaining is to show that the state exhibits, the government exhibits some compassion towards citizens. Luckily, this is not difficult. The state furnishes children with free education, the unemployment with welfare, pensioners, uh, guaranteed social security, everyone with roads, hospitals, other public services paid for in a significant part by a small population of a portion of the population. Even if thousands of social services the government provides do not seem sufficiently charitable, we can look to political theorists who suggest that our present government is permissible because past states abused their power even more. So we accept the lesser of the evils, at least in the public mind. While saying that slavery, slavery's abolition magically makes income taxes legitimate, is akin to arguing that carpet bombing London is acceptable because we could have launched a nuclear missile instead. This sort of discourse directly affirms that states could theoretically be less compassionate than they are at present and yet continue to function. In other words, with Stockholm Syndrome, if the victim perceives that they could be abused even more, this is the the fourth trigger point for Stockholm Syndrome. And many people we know live in fear right now, don't they? How many people have I heard from that say, I would speak out about climate engineering and other issues, but I'm afraid. I'm simply afraid. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? If the ship is going down and you're on the ship, why wouldn't you make your voice heard while you can? Why wouldn't you try to help plug the leak and change the course of the ship while you still have a chance to do something? Final paragraphs of this report. The above suggests that Stockholm Syndrome may well exist in citizens towards their states. As a result, it is unsurprising to see the symptoms of such a condition in a society. People often ignore or actively deny how oppressive their government is and disregard or rapidly override the harms of coercion when discussing the legitimacy of a particular policy or patriotism, or whichever term you would prefer since the word has other meanings tied up with it is a rational response to an all-powerful subjugator and once entrenched becomes hard to shed. Once these ideologies are adopted, once Stockholm Syndrome is ingrained, it's very difficult to break that paradigm, to break that programming, if you will. This all-powerful government father figure that people want to blindly go along with, if you will, no matter how how tyrannical it becomes. Is this what built this country? This is the paradox. I hear people that, that claim to, to stand for the Constitution and that uh, they, they want to stand on the principles that built this country, yet they don't behave in a manner that seems to back up what they're saying. They don't. They're not even willing to show up and peacefully, I, I use that word uh, strongly, peacefully protest the fact that we're all being sprayed like rats from the sky. And there's no denying this. There's no denying. We have film footage of a crime happening. How do you deny it? We have film, undeniable film footage of these tankers spraying at altitude. We have lab tests to prove that this material is showing up in our, our air, water, soils. How can people 
pretend that's not going on? How can people pretend that uh, what happened in Vietnam was right? We know now it was a false flag event. How can people ignore the 9-11 issue when you have 2,500 architects and engineers from around the world saying the official story is absolute nonsense? Again, I'll use Building 7 for an example. Who could rationally believe that a 47-structure steel high-rise building could collapse in seven seconds, free-fall speed, because of some furniture burning in the first floor? If you believe that, you need to seriously recheck your reality because you have a very serious case of Stockholm Syndrome, that you are willing to blindly defend those that are actually tyrannically running the the country of which you are a part of. The fact that this report finishes with this, the fact that the government seems to be an institution for good, not evil, is what makes this thesis so hard to believe. Yet, of course, that is precisely the point. Unnatural feelings of support for those within arbitrary borders and dislike for those without. Tribalism, I mentioned it earlier, this is tribalism. It's, it's, it's part of what's destroying the planet can only be explained as the product of a deep psychological phenomenon. Breaking free may be hard, even counterintuitive, but unless we do so, we risk being forever engulfed in blind obedience to a state that should command neither our will nor our support without first justifying its existence. This is the silent epidemic that has brought such darkness and destruction on the planet and all life. This tribalism that's rampant even today that we can see hundreds of thousands of people showing up for a, a Super Bowl celebration game. And yet, who do we see protesting the atrocities that are happening around the globe right now? Where's any mention of that? To watch mainstream media and know what's really happening in the world is appalling. It stirs a sense of righteous anger inside that, that forces one to speak out. To speak out. It's our responsibility. It's not an option. It's an obligation. You can't look at your children and tell them you love them and ignore what's happening in the world that will soon cost them their future. Period. All right, so I'll have a link to that in the show notes uh, and uh, his website I'll put in there too. And I don't, you know, this disclaimer always that I have to say because I share clips. Let me make a note here about uh, geoengineering. Watch so I don't forget. And, uh, you know, the disclaimer of, I don't fully agree with the guy just because I shared it, or I'm not a Tucker Carlson fan because I shared a 13-minute segment from Tucker Carlson. If you don't see how that clip from Tucker added value to this episode of what we were trying to expose here, then, you know, you're probably still in some kind of left-right paradigm cult-like thinking because I even have to, you know, continue to give the disclaimer that, if I share a clip or mention something or something on the screen comes up and there's, you know, Lord Voldemort from Bandot Video or something, it doesn't mean, like, I fully support that person, I'm a MAGA, make America great again person, you know. 
Uh, that's not it, the case at all. And there were some things that Dane was saying there that I don't really agree with. But the overall idea of the Stockholm Syndrome, and I thought he did a good job explaining it there and having to do with the weather modification and things. So in the end, you know, the things the military are doing, the things that the world's militaries do uh, to that are very harmful to the planet and are working on, you know, destroying the planet, as people like to say, which I don't think the planet is going to be destroyed, but we, we might be destroyed uh, through going all, through what we're going to go through in the future, or we're destroying ourselves right now as we speak. I mean, there's, you know, Russia and World War Three, and they're going to be dropping nukes and stuff like that. Like, those things would be far more harmful and catastrophic to the planet than anything I'm going to do driving around, uh, you know, my Yukon Denali, because uh, it's a V8 and it doesn't have active fuel management on it, that I'm just this planet-hating asshole, you know, when, you know, there's definitely things that, yeah, corporations and free market capitalism do to, to that are harmful to the planet as well as governments and the republics around the world, like uh, China or, you know, communist nations aren't any better. And uh, I'm not, again, not saying like I'm not for green energy or I'm not for solar panels, like on a micro scale, especially at, at your house, having solar panels to supplement or even as a backup plan or you're off grid, then those things are great that we have those technologies and tools. But, uh, you know, again, the you're bad, it's you, you, the farmers and the people eating meat and not any of this larger scale stuff that's obviously going on. You know, don't look over there. Don't look at these things that are happening, but you need to. So again, the idea of why it's brought up and why we were indoctrinated and still are with so much propaganda and, you know, the deluge of propaganda surrounding this particular topic isn't what we're trying to drill home. I just don't hope I don't, you know, I won't keep kicking the dead horse, but it's not about saving the planet, okay? It's about controlling you and your behavior, which they're using the excuse of that's going to save the planet if we control it. No, it's more about, you know, psychopathy and the ruling class elite uh, of this planet and the dark occultists and the secret societies and the things operating in the shadows and their, you know, Trojan horse tool that they're using to bring in the agendas that they have to carry out, which is, you know, again, reducing the population massively, uh, you know, bringing in a transhumanist, uh, crazy cyborg, uh, you know, uh, chimera gene pool mixing, manipulating future in the metaverse where AI is going to, you know, run everything and we're all going to be plugged into the super high-tech new matrix, you know, so that we don't end up destroying the planet <laughs> theory you know, that's the agenda that they're carrying out uh, is a transhumanist future and is a anti-human future. You know, the cancer on the planet, all this type of mentality of how we're looking at human beings. And so the answer to that, all that is obviously, you know, to expose it. But then we also have to, you know, live happy, fulfilling, prosperous free lives as well and implement solutions towards freedom in our own lives. And it's also, you know, not just about getting up here and talking about uh, the problems, but then implementing solutions in your own life. And so, you know, everybody's not going to be able to implement every solution, but me and my family definitely take on the things that we can and the 
you know, use our skills to our benefit to take on new projects and things that are going to bring about more resilience and self-reliance in the world. And I mean, not in the world, but for us, hopefully the larger community and then, yeah, the the greater world, as an example, will live, you know, it and not just be speaking it or not just the we needs like I've talked about before. But uh, the episode, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. But the idea is, you know, don't give up. Uh, don't give up on your projects. It's a big one. You know, don't stop just because things get hard. And it's always okay to take a break too, if you need to have a break. And I'm, you know, known for doing that, especially with this project of, you know, tylerbloyer.com. But the idea though, is that you're, that there's amazing work being done out there and a lot of inspiring things happening and solutions that are occurring. And it's not all doom and gloom. And that's not what I mean to do when I put out an episode like I did today covering the topics that I did that I know can be hard to deal with. Uh, But, you know, a lot of it's just exposing the propaganda, which shouldn't be too hard to deal with. I mean, it's not like we can't change our minds about things that we might have held belief system, even have in our belief system or our worldview in our pre-assumed presuppositions sometimes need to be challenged, you know? And uh, when we saw what did occur with the pandemic and COVID-19 and how people were easily controlled and easily submitted to the medical establishment and the scientific dictatorship, right? And didn't question at all their rights being taken away, you know, quote unquote, taken away. No one can really take away your rights. It's your choice and your free will to enact what's right and do the right thing. And uh, if that's a dangerous thing to do in the modern time, then this is how I choose to do it is use my voice as a tool for hopefully spreading good and, you know, helping people see through the lies. And so uh, next week, we're going planning a camping trip. I'm not sure I'll be around to be able to produce an episode next week because there's a lot of prep to get ready for that with the trailer and everything, and then get out there. We'll we'll see what I can do about making some sort of content uh, in between now and then, or maybe just having a week in between here where I don't do a show and then we'll come come back. Uh, That would put us at, you know, the weekend of the 20th. And so that's probably more likely what's going to happen here. Uh, like I said, if I have something that I feel like I need to produce even maybe in a different way than this longer form episode like that, maybe on the Friday or something, if I can do it like that. But otherwise, like just setting some expectation here that we are getting ready to do a first of spring Mother's Day camping trip, uh, where the frost just starts to break. Uh, we could head towards the valley in uh, Phoenix, get a little bit closer to some heat and then uh, break in the trailer, get it going for the year because it's been winterized, so you have to dewinterize it, right? And when you're dewinterizing it, you end up wanting to take it out. So if you're going to dewinterize it, you take it out. And then we're also doing a lot of spring planting around here. Uh, we have all the starts, like I showed you last week in the closet here. Uh, we got a lot of space to grow some other plants that we're going to be starting outside. And then, of course, the uh, chicken project today, I'm actually going to go expand the coop Uh, to make it bigger for the new members of the brood, add in some roosting bars and some other things, and uh, go from there. But uh, appreciate you for hanging out. I know today is a little bit of a longer one, and uh, we're going to hit up right against, or a little over three hours here. So I'm going to go ahead and close it out. 
The song today that I'm exiting with is by Mad Season. Uh, it's a band that not a lot of people are familiar with, but some probably are. A uh, 90s, you know, band with, it's kind of like a super band with like Lane Staley and uh, the guitarist from Pearl Jam, whose name um, is slipping me. It's like Mike something. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, drummer from Stone Temple Pilots or something like that. I don't know all the band members, but it's not Alice in Chains, but it probably might sound like that because of Lane Staley. And the song, I think, is having to do with a lot more like um, kind of coming out of uh, being a young man or a young adult and a lot of the old habits and maybe even like drug problems and addiction problems that you're having to deal with and really kind of dealing with that. And like I said, not giving up and not giving up on yourself and not uh, seeing that as the end, but something where now it's time to wake up. And of course, you know, being Lane Staley as the the musical artist here, I'm sure there was some substances also being discussed in this song, but I don't only see it as that. I see it as a song about sort of, it's the beginning of the album, it's the first song on the album, and it's really sort of about like a new birthing or, or really a new vision and opening your eyes to the truth. And, you know, it's not exactly something that's easy to do, but it's time to do that. And that's why we've chosen to put this song here at the end. With that, I appreciate you for watching. We'll check you next time. Uh, go ahead and sign up on tellerblower.com. Drop your email in there if you haven't yet. And uh, sign up and subscribe on the Odyssey channel. And if, and if you like BitChute or uh, Rumble instead, I have those outlets as well. And it's been great uh, spending this time with you guys today. Again, thank you for hanging in there and watching this episode. And with that, I had a way to bring in the song slowly as I exit out here. I'm going to signal, uh, see you guys later, and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks.
be 